Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on December the 6th, 2016. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my personal chic hydropod. <laughs> Caffeine rage. And December's, really? There's more than one? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I had to point today- it out. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. The ASA finds No Man's Sky ads not misleading bullshit sorry 38 percent of all of steam's games were released in 2016 we'll be discussing the 2016 game awards we'll have our weekly community corner we'll be discussing the first ever video game logic awards and we'll have our steam weekly deals discussion rage how are you this week sir i'm doing all right uh it's been an uh interesting week because i fought with the post office well, uh, technically that was last week, but, you know, uh, in between episodes. Right. But right. Th- that's going to be in a little bit, and uh, maybe talking more in depth about it uh, in a couple of weeks. Why in a couple of weeks? Because you haven't looked at my nominations right now for the VGL Awards. Um, No, I added a couple more to my list, but I haven't looked at your... Oh, the story? Well, more the overall thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough, then. Fair enough. Well, I am doing okay, um, <laughs> because I'm going to overshare, because that's what I do. I have got a bacterial infection. Um, Yummy! And I'm taking medication, which makes me have to go pee a lot as one of the side effects. But don't worry, that's counteracted by the fact that it also makes me thirsty. So I drink a lot and I pee a lot. Yeah, he just has that uh, giant hamster bottle, you know, that he's uh, linked over every so often. <laughs> yeah. So, we try to avoid breaks on the show. We usually take one, but excessive breaks lead to weird editing, and also it occasionally breaks our train of thought. That's going out the window this week. I'm going to do my best, but I'm doing pretty good if I hold it for an hour. Well, honestly, so. after we uh, did that quick ending on the last episode, you know, it has to be better than that. Which I think we should apologize for just how quickly that went, but yeah, it kind of needed to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it got bad. There was a a tornado that touched down just a couple miles from my house, and uh, two people were killed when it landed, and it destroyed several homes and a post office and ripped up a bunch of power poles, which incidentally is why my power suddenly went out when we were recording, which, I mean, we had just wrapped up. I saved the file, and I went to shut down my computer, and the power went off. And I texted you, and I was like, well, the power just went out, so I guess it's good that we wrapped up like that. Yeah, really. <laughs> Otherwise, Otherwise uh, you know, may have to try to do, like, either just send out the, what, about two-thirds of the episode that we had recorded and saved, or just try to uh, catch you at the uh, clinic or something to do the last, like, half hour. Yeah. Either but, way, it uh, would have been nasty. Yeah. So that was fun. We we didn't have power for not quite two days, but it was a while. Um, so, yeah, I had to, oh, mic hit. I had to, that's one thing that I don't have to worry about with my lapel is hitting mics. But now that I've got this stand, I punch it or hit the spring, which I'm sure that oh makes my. a noise. 
Spring. Yeah, but anyways. Well, you just hit it every time you're aroused. <laughs> and in the background, it's just a constantly going. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I had to edit the podcast very quickly last week. And uh, there's actually two different versions because the, there's something went wrong with my render. And instead of it going down to mono, it basically muted one of the audio tracks. No, no, no. It didn't even mute the, one of the audio tracks. What it did, I actually went in and fixed it myself, was that whenever you uh, – I'm not sure if you tried to mix it down to mono or how exactly you mix it down. But the left track was perfectly fine. It was the right track that was at like 25% <laughs> volume. Uh, so whenever I opened it up in my video software to render my – uh, video for you know, my channel, I saw a uh, stereotype. Well, maybe he just didn't have time. You know, he's trying to get this out. And then I looked at the waveforms and saw, you know, one normal waveform and one that was basically a flat line because it was so quiet. Yeah. I thought, I have no idea what happened there. Well, that's new. <laughs> uh, hit play and, you know, it, uh, of course, everything in the left uh, side. So I mixed it down to mono. It did bring the volume down a little bit. But yeah, it was good enough. And yeah. I actually linked uh, to the Podbean uh, version of it, which was, uh, yeah, the version that the Cheeky Little Monkeys did not get. <laughs> yeah. But then Podbean uh, decided that one of the uh, show note uh, links was going to, you know, uh, link to some sort of a weird admin page that was giving a 500 error. You know, I think that's uh, access denied or something like that. But it, uh, it's just because I copied uh, the URL for the Skyrim book club verbatim from Jim's uh, tweet. And Podbean, whenever you uh, set up a hot link, requires www. Yeah, it's one of those. So Yeah, well, at least that's good to know for the future. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the last episode a- was a mess on both sides. <laughs> yeah, both ends of the of the recording. Normally, editing fixes all of it, but apparently not this week. But, uh, yeah, so I had a rough week. I took Friday night off. One of my games comes from from Friday night, just, like, just sitting on my couch. I was tired. Plus, I was sick. (laughs) Again. Although, this time, it's not from the kid. I have no idea how I picked this thing up. Nobody has it. Nobody at at, uh, King's Daycare has it. You sent them something funny during your new uh, therapy sessions. The best I can figure after talking to some my doctor and actually the clinic director, we got, uh, during all of the storms and everything, some of the clinic got water damage. And they didn't tell anybody. Uh, of course not. Why, why so would there you was, need to know that? There was all kinds of junk in, in some of those rooms. And uh, so the only thing that I can figure is that there was something in there that I managed to pick up somehow, maybe like through a cut or or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, you know, didn't wash my hands good enough or whatever. I mean, I, you know, I don't have any proof or anything. I just have this illness. You know, just a slight case of the plague. Yeah. Thankfully, it hasn't really affected me too poorly. Um, it could have been a lot worse. And I, like, I didn't lose my voice. I haven't, I had a fever for a couple of days, but it was like, and not the non-contagious type of fever. So 
I mean, I had some stuff like the first day in my own body, like soreness and tiredness or whatever. Like I thought I had the flu, but which is why I went to the doctor. But uh, after, you know, a couple of couple of days of antibiotics, I pretty much felt like normal, except for having to go pee every hour. Oh no, that seems kind of normal for you when we record. Well, the problem when we record is I'll drink like I don't know two gallons of liquid. That's why I have to go pee so much while we record normally. I'm just taking very little dainty sips right now to keep myself from being parched. <laughs> really classy. I'm like royalty today. So speaking of being, fuck. Yeah, speaking of that, I need to turn my music back on. Tonight's, <laughs> tonight's podcast is brought to you by Today's Pop Hits from Google Play Music. I don't know any of these songs on this playlist. <laughs> so if every once in a while you just hear me go, huh, that's pretty good, I'm talking about the music. And definitely not the games I played. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. What games do you play this week, Rage? Well, first of all, let's talk about some hardware. Because I finally got my gaming mouse, or my new gaming mouse. Oh, got, did you now? And got rid of uh, the that crappy little Microsoft mouse that I've been fighting with for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'll fight with the hardware. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, couldn't resist. Carry on. Yeah. It, I, I know there's nothing terrible about the Microsoft mouse, except for the sensor. <laughs> because every so often, it would just, you know, like zip off in one direction. But it's also a very old mouse. So I ended up getting a Logitech G400 MMO. It has 20 buttons on it. I'm going to go look this thing up on Amazon. Yeah, it... Uh, I should probably sure to put the Amazon link for you. G four hundred MMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically the Logitech version of the uh, Razer Naga. Okay. Only it's not uh, nearly as much uh, crap, except for the software. I really don't care for the software myself because the uh, thing is entirely programmable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it has the left click and uh, right click as per normal, uh, a middle click on the mouse wheel. The mouse wheel uh, tilts left and right. Then it has a ring finger click uh, for a third button on the top, which looks like the old style mice before they invented the mouse wheel. <laughs> you know how the yeah. mouse, how middle click used to be its own little button. So it looks like that. Then there's two more buttons, which I have assigned to DPI changes. And then there's 12 buttons on the side just to make things obscene. <laughs> you know, I don't see the G400 on Amazon by searching for it. Is it gone? Was it like a... Uh, It was a Black Friday sale, so... They might be gone. I'll Google it. Google will have it. I'm pretty sure I don't have the wrong uh, model number here. Because if I search G400 and go to images, you know, it's all over the place. Yeah. Well, the G400 is a mouse. There are, I mean, people, <laughs> you know, lots of Google results for it. So Yeah, it's one of those things that it's a little weird to have a, a bit of a learning curve with a mouse once again, just because of that ring finger. Uh, click on it, but I've been adapting to it somewhat well. Yeah, I'm yep. going to, to do a right now where I actually bought this thing to give you a link to it. But it was uh, a Black Friday sale that was uh, that was uh, brought it down to about my price range because I'm a cheap ass when it comes to mice. 
Because yeah. I, honestly, I don't need a mouse that looks like a fucking transformer that's a hundred dollars. Uh, so it looks like the G four hundred is the. Oh, sorry, version sorry, it's the, the G six hundred. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I typed the wrong number. That would explain why you're not finding it properly. Okay. Or maybe I, I was looking at the I was looking at the G four hundred before because I I didn't really need the uh, yeah yeah the advanced features of some of the other ones, but uh, the uh, G six hundred MMO oh that would explain why uh, uh you weren't finding it properly. Uh, and yeah, it's actually back down to the price that I bought it for uh, on Black Friday, for I guess a I have no idea why it's this price now. <laughs> Oh well, it's a forty dollar mouse. Uh, full uh, RGB, so you get to change the colors on it. But like I said, the what I don't like about it is the software. For one, if you copy a profile uh, uh, to another profile, it for some reason there's a bug in the software that makes it so that the color changing on the RGB uh, uh, overwrites one profile to another. Which yeah. uh, doesn't sound that uh, bad, but I use the uh, colors on the mouse to tell, yo, am I in my desktop uh, profile or am I or in something else? Yeah, I just posted for comparison purposes a link to my mouse in the, the chat. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yours looks a little weird with the G10 and G11 right there. I would have, I would be constantly hitting those. It's not that bad. I mean, you just kind of get used to it. I definitely did hit it accidentally a lot at first because the G10 and G11 are ha- the the default quick sit switch buttons between your pre- uh, pre-programmed mouse profiles. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, basically, yeah, you just kind of get used uh, to it. The G600 MMO has uh, well a lot more buttons on the side. It moves the uh, those uh, G10 and G11. Up. Oh, by the way, we're looking at. Uh, Jared's uh, G602. Uh, yeah. Uh, it moves those to basically just below the mouse wheel where I'm, I'm assuming that's the power switch. The in the middle? Yeah. Nope. That is um, the difference in standard mode and high DPI mode. Ah. See, uh, Green. what I have is. Uh, have a, the DPI switch to two buttons there so I could uh, turn up and down and also have a, well, in my default desktop mode, a uh, DPI uh, shift mo- button on the uh, ring finger. Well, since this is a wireless mouse, basically it's an energy saver. Yeah. And you can set it basically to normal use, which is green, which I guess that's supposed to be for economy. Um, yeah, don't you know but- uh, green LEDs make things, uh, make batteries last longer and uh, computers run on less power? I... I guess so. Um, but, uh, and that's fine if you're just like hanging out doing stuff on your desktop. But at least for me, after using it in high DPI mode for so long, uh, it feels like there's mouse lag or input lag mm-hmm. with it in power saver mode. So I just leave it in high DPI mode all the time. I've got rechargeable batteries, so I don't really care when they, when they die. I just pop in two new rechargeables and charge the other two. Yeah, I have, uh, I keep it, m- my mouse, actually, at fairly low uh, DPI settings for uh, what it uh, can go to. I keep it at 1500 out of uh, 8200. <laughs> but I nice. have uh, uh, able to shift down to uh, 750 just by pressing the ring finger. 
And I also have a profile that's even below that at 200 DPI if I really need to, you know, do fine tuning. Right. Um, uh, but I did, uh, I did play everything that I've played since uh, Thursday with it. So that's a little bit of MechWarrior, not a lot, just to, you know, get a feel for it. Yeah. Uh, I like the fact that all six of the uh, firing groups can be put right at my thumb. Uh, and right. uh, that still gives me uh, six more thumb buttons to do whatever I want with, you know, turning on and off different visions, uh, setting an override, uh, just yeah, be able to pop it uh, with my thumb instead of having to reach halfway across the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and being able to just really edit to do what I want with it. It's a, a nice uh, feature. I have a question, and this is probably just goes to your general preferences, but why did you pick wired over wireless? Well, for one, it was cheaper. And uh, also, I've never had a lot of luck with wire with wireless uh, devices. Always some sort of interference that you know, just annoys me just enough. Yeah. I mean, granted, uh, uh, the Bluetooth with my... Uh, DS4 controller has been all right for the most part. There's been some hiccups every now and then, but it's just more, yeah, price really. I'm like I said, I'm cheap. <laughs> right, that's fair. That's fair. I hate wires. Absolutely hate them. I know that there's a tiny bit. It well, it's actually not as bad as it used to be. Yeah, recent increases or improvements in wireless technology um, have really put them on par with wired uh, wired mice in terms of input lag and stuff. So for me, it's just I hate wires. I hate clutter on my desk. And the west, less wires there are, the less chance for me yanking something off of my desk. Well, I mean, the, I yank my headset ha- off my head at least twice a podcast recording. <laughs> well, the way I have it, my mouse set up, actually, is that I have uh, on my mouse pad, of course. But then uh, Logitech has this uh, Velcro strap thing that they uh, have on all their uh, wired mice to... Allow you to you know, just wrap up the uh, cord and uh, use that to you know, tie it off nicely to be able to transport. I had right. that uh, stuck under my mouse uh, or under my monitor stand, and it's kind of lifting up uh, the wire and yeah. acting like a uh, bungee. Okay. And then it's just uh, going uh, under the uh, or past the monitor behind the desk and routed into my computer. Which this thing actually draws a lot uh, enough power that I can't even run it directly off my keyboard. Like I did the uh, uh, MX, uh, I want to say 500, the old mouse I used to run. It was an old Logitech mouse that's not even made anymore. So, uh, yeah, new ones are like $150, $100. Yeah. And that's why I didn't have a backup of it is that, you know, by the time I was like, you know, this mouse is pretty good. I should probably look to get a backup of it. It's, uh, uh, you know, it was already discontinued. It's like, well, oh, fuck. Man. That is an old mouse. <laughs> I just looked it up. Yeah, I got it in like 2010, 2009. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a learning curve with him, just trying to you know figure out what to do with all the buttons. <laughs> yeah. And I am waiting to hear back from Logitech about the bug report I put in with their software, uh, just with the RGB controls. It's not a game killer. It's all cosmetic just because uh the uh and th- that's one other thing that annoys me a bit is that outside of the three modes that you could set for each profile each profile has to be associated with a program so 
Uh, granted, I could just set it up to a program that I'll never launch. Or just set it up to a dummy file somewhere, uh, you know, in my computer. But, yeah, that's something that really shouldn't be, you know? That's weird. I don't have to do that. Well, I'm, I'm also assuming running that the, we've got the same Logitech. Logitech actually, gaming maybe. software? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I have the newest version of it, so maybe it's something that they changed. What's your version? Uh, where would I even find that on here? Uh, well, when I hover over the icon, it... In my uh, taskbar, it tells me the version. Okay, uh, I have 8.88.30. Okay, yeah, you're a couple of versions ahead of me, so maybe that's something that changes. It also might have to do with... with the particular mouse? The particular mouse, because my mouse has a very small amount of storage memory uh, uh, mine to save can, the profiles on. Yeah, mine has uh, one profile that has three modes on it that could save, be saved to the mouse itself, which... There's, I would love to have it where you could set, uh, you know, import the default profile into the mouse itself without having to recreate the entire damn thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, you can't do that. Or if you can, I haven't been able to find it. I'm not sure how many profiles I can store. But, you know, it's going to be my uh, main computer mouse. So, you know, it's not going to be something I'm going to be moving around a lot. So that you know, doesn't really matter all that much. And also, uh, this mouse uh, did get uh, dinged a bit whenever uh, the first reviews came out for it because the uh, firmware had a slight bug that caused some uh, mouse jitter. Yeah. But they fixed that with a firmware upgrade. And uh, the mouse I had actually had the newest firmware, so... Or the mouse I got, I should say, so it's you know it's not even an issue anymore. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things that, you know, features that you don't really think about after losing them, you, you, it's like, oh man, I missed that. Yeah, like DPI switching. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing that I hate about my mouse is that it's not compatible with the lot. What is it called? They're one receivers or they're all receivers or whatever. Because I've got a ton of Logitech stuff that I use, yeah. and they're all connected, hooked up to a single receiver. Because a single receiver can hold like. I think it's 12 different devices run it off of, you know, 12 different frequencies, but the G602 is not compatible with that. So I have to use the 602s. Well, if it makes you feel any better, mine's not either. (laughs) Fair play. Fair play. I mean, Logitech is probably the only brand that I'm loyal to. I have never had a bad project and a bad product from Logitech or I mean, a my mouse did last immediately uh, about fix. five or six years, so that's not bad. Yeah. Actually, I need to see something on this. Uh, what is the weight of your mouse? Because, I'm not Because this sure. thing is a fucking beast. I'm sure this thing is pretty heavy. At least as far as mice go. Yeah, I'm trying to find it on here. Because they have the product weight, but that's not exactly the same. Because they say item weight of uh, 15.2 ounces. Well, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, this thing doesn't weigh 15 ounces. At least I don't think it does. Uh, It says between 90 and 130 grams. Uh, or probably 90 uh, without batteries, 130 with. So, uh, want to uh, know something fun? What? My mouse is actually heavier by 10 grams. <laughs> well, this says for mine, it's 153 grams with two batteries in it. 
Okay, well, uh, maybe this uh, one is a different model or something, but yeah. So, uh, a hefty uh, uh, wired mouse, huh? Yeah, wired mouse usually clock in at 100 grams or less. At least based on the little bit of, of knowledge that I have about it. It's probably all the buttons, and this the G600 series, is a, that thing is fat. Mm-hmm. Like us. <laughs> uh, so shall we move along or do we want to talk about mice some more no no this has been the, uh, I, the I will say that your mouse hardware looks, portion rather, of the podcast. looks rather weird with those two buttons it's just one of those things that I'm not sure I would ever get used to this mouse in general looks weird, really weird it's an asymmetrical design but it's incredibly comfortable well mine is asymmetrical design as well mine's got like little fangs John yeah. just has a ton of buttons on the side. You do have more buttons than me. Well, uh, well, it has a ton of buttons on the side and then a uh, extra mouse button on the top. Yeah, you've got way more buttons than me. Yeah, but I have things. And I know how to push them. I'm like, so, a, like an angry kitty. Uh, with my things. Okay, I'm, I'm done with that. No, you're not. You're just going to be doing that randomly now. I'm a sexy kitty. Rah! Oh, my kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have too much fun with this. Oh. Okay, let's move along. Let's move along. Okay, uh, how about a game that has probably the uh, most fitting title that I've seen uh, in quite a while? Disoriented. Okay. <laughs> okay. Think of it as basically a first-person M.C. Escher game. Uh, well, you've, uh, you've seen Monument Valley, right? Yeah. Think of Monument Valley, only a first-person perspective, and you can't quite see what the fuck you're doing. This looks weird. It is weird. This looks like a it, game it, filled with all of those weird, like, check out these impossible physics puzzles. Uh, well, it's not really a physics puzzle game, per se, it's it's one of those things that it's a little hard to categorize outside of just seeing a puzzle game because technically it is a physics puzzle game because you know you're ch- uh, changing your uh, orientation but at the same time it's not really because uh, to your perspective you're just walking along. Uh, but right. uh, I was going to do this for the Sunday sampler, but I, I hit a brick wall whenever I got to one level that I couldn't figure out what was going on because. In order to, uh, well, you have a bunch of switches that you could hit on the level to switch the around things to uh, open up new paths, essentially. And I couldn't really see what was changing in order to try to figure out the puzzle. And the entire game was more trying to figure out going from one switch to the next instead of you know, looking at the uh, puzzle as a whole and be able to try to figure it out from there, which I didn't really like all that much. And also, it's a very simplistic-looking game, uh, which isn't a bad uh, thing per se. But it's yeah, you know, it's rather boring. Yeah, I kind of like the art style, but I feel like after I don't know an hour, maybe yeah. two, if it was really lucky, I'd be like, okay, this is boring. Yeah, and just nothing really stood out about it to me. It's just one of those, it's one of those things that it should stand out. It should have something interesting going on, but it's yeah. more just, okay, I go from 
one switch to another, trying to figure out, okay, what did this switch do? And uh, can I get to a new switch? And occasionally there's these, uh, in order to progress, you have to jump from one, uh, from a higher ledge to a lower ledge. Yeah. And the way they have it set up is that it's a little hard to tell just where those jumps are. But that may just be, you know, the, you know, it being uh, MC Escher, you know, just yeah. the impossible uh, uh, physics and everything going on. It's a bit, well, disappointing to be perfectly honest, just because I'm going to like it a lot more than I did. But yeah, it's one of those things that sounds good on paper, but in practice, at least how they did it this time around, it just didn't work out. And also, right. I have a feeling that. It's going to be very short outside of, well, they're banking on, I think they have workshop uh, support. Actually, they don't, but they have user-made levels somehow, or a, or a, they have a, a creation kit in the game where you can build your own levels. And right. they're trying to bank on a community uh, gr- a group of levels being made, but there's nobody playing this fucking game. Yeah, it, it, this says that there's an all-time peak of three. Yeah, and I think I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> T- today's peak is two, with zero playing now. And according to Steam Spy, it only has between 120 and 1,700 owners. Yeah, and I have a feeling a good chunk of those are review copies. Which yeah. is, it's always disappointing to see just you know, a uh, indie game fail like this. And I, I think it's fair to say a failure, because you know, just those sales... But that really ties it to something we're going to be talking about in a little bit. <laughs> just the glut of games. Yep. It's really hard to get noticed just in general. You have to do, be something extraordinary. Yep. Or uh, stir up some controversy. That's another way of doing it. And they just did neither. Right. So uh, let's move on to the last game on my list. King Lucas. This looks interesting. Okay. The best way for me to describe this game, okay? Imagine okay. I hand you, uh, let's say, a, a can of Pepsi or something, all right? And uh, a nice cold can of Pepsi. And you Love ta- Pepsi. And you take a big swig, and it's iced tea. What's okay. Your, and you'd go, because you have that this feeling in your mind, you know, this expectation, you know, even though you may like iced tea, it's disgusting because you're expecting Pepsi, right? Maybe I. You know really where I'm going like, with this. I really like sweet tea, but I do get the analogy you're trying to make. Okay, now I, imagine that tea has been brewed for way too fucking long, and it has a ton of artificial sweetener in it. So it has that bitter aftertaste on top of the after uh, the you know, where it's been brewed incorrectly. All right, you're losing me here. That's King Lucas. It okay. builds itself as a Metroidvania game, and I respectfully fucking disagree. It's as much Metroidvania as Rogue Legacy is uh, Metroidvania. It is a rather simple platformer that is procedurally generated with uh, the uh, Binding of Isaac style, where it's a bunch of handmade rooms, and all the rooms are shuffled around on each run. And it is fucking tedious. Yeah, Every- there's... Multiple lava rooms in the pictures, or in the, the screenshots. Well, well uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll, I'll get to that. The runs are very long, 
even the beginning, every time you complete the game, uh, get to your objective, rescue the princess or whatever the, the king is sending you to do. Yeah. It, it makes the next run longer. It took me, I think, 15 or 20 minutes to do a 99 room run. All right. Which was level three. Okay. The maximum size of the castle, and I don't know when it hits this point, is 1,223 rooms, if I call the number correctly. Okay. I was bored at 99 rooms. The game is way too easy for what it is. And it doesn't really have any depth for what it is. So that's roughly 12 or 13 times larger. So if the difficulty curve stays the same... That means that... I would say probably two hours, uh, two and a half. Well, 12 times 15. Well, also... uh, would be an hour. Well, you also have to realize that there's more places... There's more places to hide the princess at that point. Okay. Because in 99 rooms, it was essentially an L shape uh, with uh, only so many rooms in one direction or the other. So... You go search in one area, and oh, she's not here. She must be in the other area. So you could be done theoretically in a few minutes, or it could take you three hours. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's uh, once again something that sounds decent on paper, but in practice, with how they did it, it just doesn't work out. Right. But even worse than that is that you mentioned the lava. There are yep. a lot of death traps. And that is really the only fucking difficulty in this game. Because once you get a shield, which, uh, you know, you have to pretty much get a shield. Because otherwise your health is practically non-existent. And there's no real upgrades in this game outside of getting shields, weapons, and uh, assorted magical items. Potions, uh, and keys, and that sort of thing. There are no yep. character upgrades, which to me is really important in the Metroidvania genre. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's seven death traps in the screenshots, and four of them are lava pits. Yeah, and oh, and the fun part is that some of the uh, death traps are not inescapable. So they're essentially bottomless p- uh, pits. And I had, uh, in my off-screen testing of it, a jump that was exactly... As long as my longest jump. So if I jumped even a second too early, I was uh, not making that jump and I couldn't escape that pit. So if you fall into a bottomless pit, do you just restart? Uh, you have to get, you, have to uh, you go, uh, you go all the way back to the start. Or if you happen to find it randomly in a uh, barrel somewhere, a checkpoint. Okay. I will say that the multiplayer mode may be interesting, but there's nobody fucking playing this game. <laughs> uh, the multiplayer mode is essentially a race mode. So, race to get the princess from the castle? Yeah, yeah essentially. Which could be interesting uh, if there was a way to, you know, uh, mess with the other players. But there, I don't think there is. I couldn't find a multiplayer uh, game uh, over the course of several days. Well, sir, there are two people playing it right now, so which maybe is, you can find I, a multiplayer game. Which I think is two more than <laughs> what was playing whenever I was doing my recording of it. <laughs> oh, it's just one of those things that 
it, it felt like they wanted to do Metroidvania, but uh, a matter of fact, it, they originally had the Metroidvania tag. It looks like they lost it. <laughs> well, yeah. But you can see they're calling it themselves a Metroidvania t- uh, game with two and a half D graphics. Yeah, and honestly, from the screenshots, I could believe that. But I mean, you know, gameplay seems to say otherwise. Yeah, it's just it, they wanted to be Metroidvania, but I don't think they understood what made Metroidvania. Oh, and also all the items that have uh, weapon degradation on them. So you have to constantly be finding the blacksmith, which is a random spawn somewhere in the castle in order to uh, keep getting weapons and keep getting shields. And without a shield, which uh, depending on the shield you have, it has so many hits on it. You get two or three hits, and that's uh, and the, and you die, and that's really the difficulty curve is finding the blacksmith to start stocking up on uh, shields, right? And here's the fun part: is that okay? It has keys. There is no indication of just how many fucking keys you have in your UI. The only way you could tell is to go into your inventory, and it's uh, it's the launch version of No Man's Sky where every single fucking key is a separate item <laughs> for no reason and you have limited inventory space and potions also do not stack uh, weapons do not stack your weapons uh, stay in your inventory even if you fucking equip them they stay in your inventory excellent that sounds amazingly awful <laughs> yeah it's this was uh, the game after I sat down and looked at my notes to record it. It's like, I'm being rather mean to this game. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it sucks. And that's the thing. It, it's I wouldn't say it sucks. It's mediocre at best. If they advertised it as essentially a lowbrow, or uh, not even a lowbrow. Well, okay, maybe some of the villagers saying, because you... Randomly find villagers in the castle for no particularly good reason outside there. There, it's a low rent rogue legacy without the castle building and without the character building. So, if you like rogue legacy, but uh, the platforming in it, but don't like literally anything else that might make rogue legacy a good game, well, there you go. All right. That is not going on my li- on my wish list. <laughs> and it did make me wonder, uh, am I too mean to some of these games? Nah. Or do people enjoy seeing me just start uh, ripping apart a game? I mean, I do enjoy whenever you dislike games, but I also enjoy whenever you like games. So I think the, the takeaway for me there is I just enjoy listening to you talk about games. Aw. Suck up. I mean, we make a good team. You are the harsh one, and I'm the forgiving one, so. <laughs> uh, just look at back at the uh, last game club. Yeah. Okay, well, does that mean it's my turn? Yeah, let's talk about train fever for a while, or transport fever, or Tran- whatever Transport hell. fever. Transport fever. It's very superior to train fever. All not right, well, I'm just, well, just going to take a nap. Well, I'm not going to talk for too long about it, just. There's a shock. Transport Transport Fever has very quickly become, like, my comfort game, um, for the most part, and it also has become a game that I've gotten incredibly invested in basically completing challenges. So, I spent seven hours yesterday playing Transport Fever, 
like seven hours straight yesterday uh playing transport fever in the zone like normally i listen to a podcast while i play transport fever because it's a game that's good for that once you get the basics down um but i was no i was in the zone i was listening to the game music really focusing on making like some good routes because I'm, I'm challenging myself to do certain things like um the the map that i'm currently working on is a mountainous map which will eat your lunch in terms of of losing money because you have to deal with so many differing um heights and so you'll have steep gradients for train tracks and stuff which and the late game is not too big of a deal because your trains are very very powerful but in the early game they're not so you're limited to either really slow trains or really small trains I'll just call it a scenic railroad and uh, get all the tourist bucks. I do like to do that. I like, we'll kind of, I don't know, I guess role play or whatever and make little scenic mountain paths and try and make it look, make them look all pretty and follow Well, that way you could have or, a train from like uh, uh, 1900 uh, on the route. Just call it a scenic uh, railroad. There's actually yeah. uh, one in the eastern part of my state that I think you would absolutely love. There's one here. Uh, head down to the Chattanooga Choo Choo. You can take a scenic scenic route yeah but this is a steam engine oh no this is a steam engine too ah actually there's a couple of different scenic routes you can take out of chattanooga but that's beside the point we'll talk about real life trains another time but um i i got a perfect map to to try and do like a main line like a legit main line a lot of my train maps kind of look like spaghetti i start out with the best intentions and it's just like you know what this line would work best if i went over here and this one went over here and did that to that but this map has a mountain, a huge mountain in the middle with um, a, a river that goes around it and then runs out to the edges of the map. But rivers create valley basins where the, the terrain is incredibly flat. So I actually made a mainline loop that goes around the mountain and connects all of the towns around the mountain. And mm-hmm. I'm currently working on building branch lines off. And it looks really nice and I'm really proud of myself. I'm very happy. Um so that's what I was doing, like making it look all nice and pretty and even. And I've got this little station design where that you can put a, a cargo and a passenger station like side by side in a town. And it just looks like one really big station that takes multiple types of trains. It makes me happy. If we weren't recording tonight, that's what I'd be doing right now. <laughs> I don't know. You're not doing that uh, anyway. Because transport fever is incredibly intense on your CPU, especially in the mid to late game, uh, and I don't want to crash the podcast recording. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're showing restraint. Um, and that's basically it. I, I'm doing this idea as well. I, I kind of did some testing on it on my laptop, which I'm, pl- I'm just playing on a small map because my laptop cannot handle big maps in the mid to late game. And uh, there's a giant lake in the middle that I've built uh, a circular main line around. So it's nice. It's fun. It is a bit tedious though. Cause it's like, okay, I have to do this and then figure out how to connect other things into this main line. But that's part of the fun. I mean, branch lines do exist in the real life, in, in the real life, in the real world for a reason. <laughs> and that's the reason. So yeah, that's, tr- that's uh, that's transport fever. I'm not going to really talk about it anymore. If I had That'll a good a way, if I had a good way to record it, I would just record hours of Transport Fever and and play them back on my YouTube channel. But XSplit 
<coughs> excuse me, XSplit and Transport Fever do not get along very well. The the map flashes constantly from black to color. And then Weird. OBS. I mean, the game is just so CPU heavy. It's difficult to run a software recording solution with it. Yeah, basically, if I had you a better need a hard a hardware recorder. That or a much more powerful CPU. If I had one of the an i7, like a 66 or 6700K, I'd probably be fine. But my CPU just doesn't cut it. But that's okay in some sense. It keeps Transport Fever just for me, for fun and relaxing. Katie makes fun of me all the time. She's like, oh, you're playing that again. Our kid's not even awake right now. It's like, yes, I am. <laughs> it's very relaxing. Go away. <clears throat> the second Poor game Katie. I played this week. Yeah. The second game I played this week is uh, actually an Xbox game. Um, so Friday. me. <laughs> Friday night when I was just like, guys, I'm wiped. I just have to like do my own thing tonight and not stream. Uh, I sat down in the in the recline in the living room and Katie and I watched a little bit of TV and then she went to bed and I was like well what do I want to do I don't really want to get up I don't want to play anything too complicated and so I I turned on the Xbox and I just started flipping through all the games that I had have installed and I was like you know Forza sounds fun so I loaded up Forza 5 and played it for like four or five hours Friday night it was nice um, they've added a, a bunch of new cars and I had a whole bunch of free cars because, you know, I've had the game for X amount of time and I'm like level 130 or 140. Um, so I got a whole bunch of cars, uh, gifts from, uh, turn 10. It's like, you are this driver level. You're eligible for this reward car. And there's some nice stuff. They've got a whole Hot Wheels line mm-hmm. going right now. So, you know, Hot Wheels looking versions of a whole bunch of the cars. And I got... Several of those for free because of my driver level. And it was fun. I I uh, built two new cars from scratch and played through some of the unfinished race modes that I had. It took me a couple hours to kind of be like, okay, how do I play this game well again? Because I play in, like, maximum simulation mode. Um, I have all... Well, I only use real-world driving aids. So I do get traction control and analog brakes. Um, and some cars have what's called stability management, uh, which helps with cornering. It keeps the car level. Um, but not all vehicles have that, so I don't get that all the time. And then I play with um, no driving line, no no drive rates in that respect. And the uh, AI is turned up to simulation. Or no, what's it called? I think it's called semi-pro. I'm not good enough to play on pro. But semi-pro is like, like very hard, and then pro is like very, very hard. Like it's the equivalent of playing on like king versus deity in Civilization. Uh-huh. Like I'm playing on. So they king. cheat. They do cheat. Yeah, I decided um, just to see uh, uh, Forza uh, Motorsport Six Apex, and for some reason the Windows Store is saying I can't run this game. Why? Well, it says that I need 8 gigs of uh, RAM. I have 16. It's uh, not saying I have uh, 16. It's actually, it actually doesn't know what the fuck I have. And it says I need a whole 2 gigs of video RAM. Or 4 for recommended. That's weird. 
Yeah, you and I. I aside well, from well, here's RTG the thing: is that it's on the uh, uh, Windows Store, and the Windows Store sucks. It does. I have Windows uh, Forza Six Apex installed. I I just have never played it. I don't know why. Probably another good thing about Forza Five is it is a, an Xbox One game that runs at 1080/60 native. Yeah, which uh, that's on a, that's a short list of games. That's a very short list, particularly on the Xbox One, but that's probably another reason that I could tolerate playing it, or at least enjoyed playing it. But I had a good time, just relaxing, messing around with cars, tinkering, built a couple of new ones up, and had a good time. It was a nice, relaxing night. Which, that brings me to my final game. Oh boy, here we go. So, as per request... I played No Man's Sky this week. Yeah, to check we did, out the we Foundations did a, update. We did a Space Monkey for this. Oh. <laughs> it's and, not... Well, here's the thing, is that you're a foreigner to buy this game, so you get to test it whenever they have updates. Well, is, I'm this not... This is your punishment. I'm not 100% sure exactly what to think. I've thought about this a lot the last few days. Well, I'm going uh, to uh, propose a question first. Okay. Okay. Base building in a game where the whole point of the game is to leave planets to go somewhere else. That seems mm-hmm. strange to me. Granted, the base building is probably primarily focused on the frigates that you, know, you could get and not you know, building up a base on a particular planet. But it just seems really weird that that's what they focused on, the base building on planets instead of uh, you know, these mega ships. Actually, it works really, really well. The base building is super nice, even on planets. Um, yeah, but so, that's what they showed. Yeah, I would say a good two-thirds of their video that they showed. Yeah. So, okay, really quick. Let me put this disclaimer up before I start talking about it. Oh, boy. Here we go. I was – some parts of this update were really impressive. Some of it was still really frustrating. I think I meant said last time, if it brought the like-dislike ratio up to about 75%, I'd probably stick with No Man's Sky. And I think that it does do that. I think that it brings it up to that kind of 75-25 instead of 50-50. But I just have this lingering feeling of all of the, the bullshit from before. And I don't know if that's just something I need more time to deal with, like with the whole Kerbal Squad thing that happened a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Or if... It's just, like, too little too late. I think if the game had launched with this stuff in it, I would have, you know, liked it much more from the start. Um, The problems would have still existed. I would have been frustrated at it. But like I said, I think it's like that 75-25 ratio now, which makes the game in general much, much more bearable when it is being really shitty. Um, But, like I said, I don't know if it's too little too late or if I just need a little more time to pass before I can really settle into it and start enjoying it a lot more. Um, generally, the update uh, is nice. It fixes quite a few bugs that uh, I had experienced from before. It still frame drops like crazy, which is really frustrating. But the weird flickering that I would get um, when entering space stations and and things like that is gone now. Um, Oh, There's that's just lot. all the other players in the station. It's causing way too much performance uh, issues. 
Um, you know, all other was it? Well, uh, before this update <coughs> was like 400 players, but I think they're back up to 2,000. Yeah. And that's uh, probably, you know, literally all the people that love base building <laughs> that yeah. have this game. Um, it did fix... It, the game generally does run at a higher frame rate. It still has frame drops in the same places, but generally before I was seeing like 60 to 65 FPS. Now I'm seeing like 85 FPS. So I don't know what's up with that. I have no idea if it's just optimization or if the, the game, like when it has to generate new terrain, does a really crappy job of it or what. But the frame rate is higher in general, but it still has frame drops every time you transition between planet and space and, you know, whenever you fly too fast and things like that. So I have no idea. That's still frustrating as heck, but I was able to overlook that last time and I got past that pretty quickly again this time. Um, I it it doesn't want to launch properly though. That's something new for me. I well, have, are we I'll talking about to... the game in general or just this update? No, the game in general. I'll have to click well, to start the game. It did have a rather game. crappy launch. I mean, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff was missing. I'll have to click to start the game three or four times in the Steam window before it actually launches. It does always launch if I go to the .exe and just open it straight from there. So I don't know what's going on with that, but that's annoying. Um, the base building aspect is really, really good. It's very simple, but there's still a lot of depth to it. Like, interacting with the building system is very simple. It's not like Minecraft where you place everything block by block and you have to... You yeah, know, it's chunk by chunk, isn't it, essentially? Uh, pre, <laughs> uh, prefab units? Yeah, it's prefab stuff. Um, in At the beginning, at the beginning, you uh, have all of the basic stuff that you can just build right off the bat as soon as you find one of the bases, base starting points on a planet. And you can build, you know, corridors and basic rooms and stairs and elevators and things like that. You have to get the aliens to come to your base in order to unlock more base building options. And each alien that you get unlocks kind of, um, I guess, a more, like, in-depth tree regarding, like, whatever their position is at the base. So you get, like... Uh, a construction expert and he adds like specialist wings to your base that allow you to then go get like the science crew or the farming crew or whatever and then they add additional structures and things like that that are specifically that you can build um but you get all of the kind of the like the core stuff right off the bat the teleporters you every base has one of those by default uh, a lot of the base equipment like the save points and things like that that you can place down manually um are there by default. So they did a good job of at least not gating off the most important stuff, which is probably the, what, why base building works so well. You can plop down in any base structure that you find, claim it as yours, and then build just a quick little outpost there to use as kind of like a hub for exploring stuff that's around you. That's mostly how I use the base building system. I have one base on a planet in a really good system that's got like... um just a whole bunch of really cool stuff on it. Just like nice uh, topography and it's got some neat animals and stuff like that on it. Um, the planet is basically like a screenshot generator. It's beautiful. I so, thought I thought that was the game. <laughs> Touche. But that is kind of like my, I guess, home base um, for exploring the nearby systems. Because I don't really care about getting to the center of the galaxy or anything like that. So... Uh, let's not go to the center of the galaxy. It's a silly place. It is a silly place. And disappointing. And indeed. But um, 
So I think that the base building system works really brilliantly for that. It's basically, it's like, oh, shit, I'm on this planet, and there's a huge storm, and there's no shelter nearby. You do a quick scan. Oh, look, there's a base hub over there. You run over to it. You claim it is yours. You know, you can hunker down inside, build a teleporter, teleport to uh, the space station or um, a couple of other places that it'll let you teleport to. Also, you get a shared inventory between your bases. Um, and as far as I can tell, that goes between systems. I don't know if there's a, a maximum limit for how far you can kind of teleport your inventory. But oh, your that base makes storage, it a little bit more uh, useful. Yeah, your base storage is shareable between all all bases. So that's nice. Um, I haven't unlocked everything yet. Probably the part that they got wrong about this is that you can't just use any race for a specialist position. Each of the races in the game, except for the master builder, which can be any race, is assigned to one of the specific races. And races still don't mix and match in systems, as far as I know. So... If you want to get a science person, you have to go find one of the robot people, whatever their names are. I don't remember. You have to go find one of them the that Borg. wants to come join your base, and then he'll come join your base. So that is incredibly frustrating because without them manning your special stations, you can't use their particular base building parts. Like you can see them, but they're locked off. It's like you need a science specialist to build this part. So that's frustrating because it's, you know, I spent. Probably 30 minutes establishing my first base. Like, okay, you know, I built it out the way I want it to look, like the skeleton structure of it. And then I went to go get the master builder, and it's like, okay, you need a science guy. It has to be this type of race. And it's like, well, shit. So I spent two hours flying around, like system hopping, trying to find one of those guys. So that sucks. Freighters, though, are freaking awesome. Um, They've got some really, really good designs. The first freighter that I come upon... And I was really sad I didn't have enough money to buy it. But it looked like um, a Star Destroyer. Oh. I was like, ooh, I want that. But it was really, really, really expensive. Um, and different classes of freighters, have they're different sizes. So there are smaller freighters and larger freighters. And obviously the smaller freighters are cheaper and the larger freighters are more expensive. I would have never guessed that. And the only thing that I can tell that that does any differently is it just gives you a bigger base building area inside the freighter. But even the smallest freighters are larger than the space stations. So that's, in my mind, is pretty crazy. But the freighters are really nice. You can land on any freighter at any time as long as you don't attack it first. And the captains will give you, um, they'll trade with you. They'll give you missions. Then you kill the captain and uh, take over the freighter. I wish that's how it worked. That'd be a lot easier. But, um, excuse me, you uh, get missions from them, trade with them. Ships will dock with them just like they do space stations. So you can buy and sell ships inside of a freighter and, and trade with pilots and stuff like that. So that's that's pretty neat. They look really cool. And now, as part of the update, there are roaming fleets of ships as opposed to just like occasionally you find a static ship. Mm-hmm. There's now roaming fleets of ships. Which are pretty cool. I haven't seen any like massive space battles. Occasionally there will be some pirates attacking a fleet of ships. And you can either help kill the pirate pirates for a reward or try and nab some of the cargo and escape with it. But um, the fleets are a nice touch. It makes the galaxy feel more populated. Like there's more going on. Um, sometimes, I don't know if there's like some kind of hidden stat that I don't know about. But sometimes they will attack you. 
which sucks because I've been surprised, blown away a couple of times by roving fleets. Um, and I don't know if there's some kind of like criminal record that you can accrue or if it has to do with like sentinels are chasing you or what, but that's or really frustrating. Or someone uh, painted a rather rude word on the side of your ship. Maybe. Because I'm like, oh, look, a fleet. I'm going to land on that freighter and see if he's got any missions for me. Well, crap. I've, yeah, I yeah. rage quit yeah, a couple yeah, of times because for you. of that. Go back to your spawn point. Yeah, I've rage quit a couple of times because of that. Yes. But um, but the freighters are really nice. I don't really know of any bad thing about a freighter. I don't own one yet, so I don't know if there's um what it costs to travel around inside your freighter. But uh, you can go explore the all of the areas inside every freighter. None of that is locked away, even if it's not yours. So I've wandered around and explored several different kinds of freighters just to get a feel for what they're like on the inside. And they're pretty cool. Um, those are really the two main portions that it added. Yeah, it just seemed like if you're not into base building, this update did absolutely nothing. That's true. If you still are not into the base building... There's really nothing there. I mean, the freighters are cool, but you still have to do a lot of customization and base building inside of the freighter itself in order to make them really useful. And, you know, again, that's base building. Um, it's still got the performance updates, which which suck. It's still got moments that make you want to rage quit because stupid crap happens. It doesn't make any sense. You still have to deal with the frustration of, well, if the random generator decides to fuck you over, too bad. Spend another two hours looking for whatever it is that you need. Oh, and I don't know what their idea of item stacking in your inventory means, uh, but that doesn't work. <laughs> they were like, you can now stack anything in your inventory up to five times. I'm like, okay, that's good. That means I can stack like these these warp cells five times in my inventory. I can stack antimatter while I search for the materials to turn the antimatter into warp fuel. That's a negative. Those items still cannot be stacked. You do have larger stacks for the like the the most common materials like iron and plutonium and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is like okay, I guess that's nice. But I never really ran out of that stuff in the first place or needed more space. I was constantly shoveling that out of my inventory because I could just pick it up anywhere on the ground. So I don't get what's up with that. I haven't tried the the two new modes, the survival mode, which I probably never will. I don't want to have to spend even more time trying to make sure that I don't. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, it's tedious. Yeah. And I haven't tried creative mode, but I might try a creative creative mode game. Just so I don't have to worry about collecting resources for things. I can just fly around and get what I need to. But I would imagine creative mode is probably going to be a lot more interesting in, like, 2021 when they have a few more updates. (laughs) Yeah. So... Unless you uh, really want to build a uh, pretty uh, base now. The thing that kind of uh, scr- makes me scratch my head is why have fixed hubs? Why can't you just, you know, uh, build your own hub and, you know, put it where you want? Yeah, I don't understand that. There are buildings that are exactly like the hub buildings that you can build, but they have to be connected to the hub in some way. So I don't understand what the point is of that. I Some of, like... Part of me thinks it's like, well, I guess that's to encourage further exploration, but it's just like probably 50% of the time whenever you scan a planet from space, it'll pop up and say, oh, over uh, habitat discovered, 
and it'll pop up a thing on your map. And then whenever you're flying around on a planet and you do a local scan, you find them all the time. They're all over the place on most planets. Barren worlds have less than, like, um, really ab- uh, habitable worlds, you know, jungle planets yeah. or or whatever. But still, like, I haven't yet found a planet that doesn't have them on it. So if their goal was to either encourage exploration or make it where you want to colonize or base build on more habitable worlds, like, they're all they're still easily to find on on barren world so i don't know what the point is of all of that i'm gonna just guess uh they have no idea what the fuck they're doing that might be the case that very possibly could be the case i mean overall this this update was pretty solid um and i don't have very many complaints with it that i didn't already have against the original game and it added a lot of things that i really like and enjoy, but like I said before... It doesn't address all the complaints with the original game. No, it definitely still doesn't do that. And even then, it's still... It's just like... I don't know, I just can't quite put my finger on it, but I just don't... Still don't feel compelled to play it. You know? And I, I like I said, I still haven't figured out if it's too little too late, or if it's um, the, the squad... Well, there's Sean Murray uh, telling you. It's not too little, too late. Yep. I see I forgot to put my phone on silent. And you were laughing at me earlier. I could have swore I did that, but I guess I didn't. Got an email from Facebook. Screw you, Facebook. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the... I mean, it definitely helped their player numbers, but they get, you know... I'm looking at the chart, and there's definitely a downward trend since this uh, patch released. I mean, basically, you log back in. If you played the game enough to have a few million credits, you can you can buy a freighter. Well, that's one. I wonder if uh, I'm just looking at this. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight days, and then suddenly half of the number of people are playing. Do you think it's yeah, you know, like a week about a week's worth of content, and then people got bored with it? Probably. I mean, I played it for about six or seven hours this past week, you know, and uh, then I was like, okay, that's pretty much everything, I guess. I mean, I could keep exploring and building more base, but bases or a bigger Or you could just drop the base. Wub, 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 wub. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's about that much content. I mean, if you were like just barely like... Maybe if you were like, you know, I just like wish that I had just like the tiniest bit of direction. Building bases all over the place could give you that direction to get back into playing it hardcore. But if you're like me and you're kind of on the fence about it, unless, you know, the base building thing really does something for you, which, I mean, if it's going to do something for anybody, it's going to be me. You guys know me. You know. It just It just doesn't have it. You know, it's got, I mean, it's got early access syndrome. It's like, okay, well, that was a nice content yeah, update. Should, I guess yeah. I'll just wait for the next one before I, you know, pursue the game any farther. Yeah, they should have released this game in early access at about a 20 to $30 price range. Yeah. That nobody, at least on the Steam side of things, would have complained. No, and I wouldn't be complaining. Uh, on the consoles, they would have probably been complaining uh, left and right, but screw them. Yeah, fuck them. I mean, you know, if this had been an early access game, I would have been like, yeah, this is a great $30 early access game. I really like, you know, this exploration model. It's got some performance issues, but hey, you know what? Early There's access. a great base here for... Uh, I mean, this know. pretty much confirms that 
this game is essentially an early access on everything except for the name. Yeah. Yeah, if... <laughs> I was thinking about um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They call it the Foundation Update. And my thought was that they uh, this was the castle they built in the swamp and it sank. <laughs> and now they're trying to build another castle on top of that castle and see if it sinks or not. No, I'm pretty sure that's what Gearbox is doing these days. <laughs> so, uh, Claudio Marines fa- uh, sank. Uh, well, let's build another game on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any more questions about the No Man's Sky update? Anything that you think that I should have uh, talked well, what about? What would that you I like didn't? to see them uh, do direction-wise for patches with this game? If you, if you were Sean Murray and weren't a compulsive liar... Where would you say that you'd want to take the uh, next, let's say, two or three patches? Um, well, the next patch needs to address the lack of economy in the game. Um, there really is no benefit to moving stuff from system to system because there's no way to check on what any system is. So, so sort of like how Freelancer had it, where you could discover what the prices are. Yeah. Yeah, if you could discover Greater what the- freelancer, uh, all the uh, and yes, I realize I'm using a an example of with a game that's what 15 years old now, but it's a it's game I played old. not too long ago. So screw you. <laughs> Actually, the X the the X series, their model of economy, how the prices change dynamically, and you can uh, once you've been to a system, the, uh, the band that that's actually a really good model uh, for because a game like thing- this. But, uh, but the thing is that. That really requires a lot more of AI to do stuff as well. Well, I mean, they have AI fleets that warp in and out of systems now and that pull up beside stations. You have the ability to basically grow your own resources. I mean, there's lots of resources that you can farm, um, like literally farm. So, you know, you can create hydroponic farms that grow. And it's weird. You can grow like titanium on a plant and, and uh, stuff like wait that. A yeah, I know. But you can do that in the game. So, I mean, you've got... That is one tough plant. You can use these bases to create production facilities, and then you can actually play into the economy, because they talk about, oh, yes, you can use freighters to move goods to systems where it's you could get better prices selling things, but there's no point, because you don't know what you're going to find when you get there. The only way to check the prices in a system is to fly there, land at a space station, and see what the prices are. So, so I have it where that uh, as you go to different systems, you see the uh, market kind of open up and get uh, semi-real time of uh, what the prices are in different systems? Yeah, it needs that. And doing that would also force them to fix the really shitty galactic map. Just copy Elite Dangerous's map, guys. Come on. Just do it. <laughs> I know you don't want to. I know that you think that your map is, I don't know, artistic or whatever. But function over form, guys. Your map is awful so you can set waypoints to systems but it blows your mind I mean, it makes it explode from <laughs> anger so i guess you can set waypoints to systems so i was like okay i need to set a waypoint to the system where my home base is that way i can always get back to it with all of this crap while i'm learning in the base building system so but you, you can't set a waypoint. waypoint do what so you craft a waypoint <laughs> so you can't set a waypoint to a system that you're in so I had to fly out of the system and then uh. reselect the system as the waypoint. It took me 15 minutes to do that. Because you can't directly select a system. You can't like hover over a system to get info about it. 
you have to basically point your mouse cursor in the general direction of a planet and hope that the map picks the planet that you're going to. But orient, like the map is incredibly disorienting. So I just had to guess. It's like, okay, I know that it was a system that can jump to this system with my current hyperdrive technology. So I would just like select systems until I finally found it. And you can't select them from your log. If you could just go to your log and say, okay, I was at this system. I want to set this as my point. Can't do it. Have to do it from the map. So guys, just copy Elite Dangerous's <laughs> map. It's so good. That map is so good. It makes my dick rock hard. It's so good. Oh my! Just copy that. Well, so I, that would be. I, I was going to go over to the uh, Steam Store page, well, partly for what we have coming up, but I was looking at one that uh, the most recent uh, review. Uh, not recommended. This is someone that's played it for forty six point two hours. This game was so depressing, I stabbed myself. However, the greatest pain wasn't from the stab wound; it was realizing that my stab wound had more depth than this game. <laughs> nice so that would be the first thing that I would update and I don't you know however many updates it takes them to do that that would be the first thing the second thing that they need is a much more dynamic world because everything is still static they're kind of faking a more dynamic world they added these fleets that kind of fly around in systems and they jump around and you can't interact with them but they don't interact with each other um, and they don't really do anything except just fly around they added more aliens to bases and so things like that. So it's the illusion that things are going on. Sort of like how they have the illusion of the multiplayer. Right. Well, what they need to do is actually make that world more interactive. I mean, Freelancer did it, for God's sake. Just add radio chatter and, you know, more ships coming and going, docking in stations, have some aliens walking around. They don't have to do much, guys. Just let them walk around a little bit. Yeah, but then they have to make walking animations for them. <laughs> that's true I don't there's not a single walking animation in the game I don't think well not counting the procedurally generated uh, animals, animals which are all yeah. yeah like a different skeletons and just hodgepodge together and that's another thing they can do to make the world feel more alive is actually make the animals inter- interact with each other in more meaningful ways I mean you'll get so, aggressive sort of like animals. how uh, uh, they had in the trailer where they were moving in herds right right Welcome and, to uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> I love that video. Yeah. So that would be the next thing that I'd focus on. And beyond that, I don't know. Without actually delivering on the multiplayer promise, which I don't think that they'll ever do. Honestly, I don't really know how they do that at this point anyways. Because the game is so instanced off per you know to you. Um, or to the individuals playing. The only shared thing that they have is like planet names and stuff like that. Um. Aside from full multiplayer, I don't know where else you take the game. Deepen the crafting system, maybe? Make that more meaningful, but doing that kind of takes it well, away from the exploration it, portion it, it, even it definitely more. definitely isn't a full update, but I would say a complete rework of the UI. Yeah, the UI needs some work. A lot of work. They still have the click and hold thing, which is still frustrating. Yeah, that, that would just drop me bonkers before the two-hour uh, refund window is up. I forgot about it. I actually forgot about it, and so I went to go change the options around because, of course, they turned on motion blur by default. So I had to go turn that off. I'm clicking, and I was like, this isn't working. It's not working. And then I went, oh, yeah, click and hold, and then, yeah, it, turned, because, and then it turned off. Yeah, because mm, controllers? 
Yeah. I guess. Uh, hell if I know. They did shorten the time, which is... I don't know. I don't know if that's more annoying or less annoying. Because it's like, well, I mean, you shortened the time that I have to hold things for it to work. Why not just turn it all the way off? Or, or only turn it on if I'm playing with a controller. I have an Games idea. Games do that. I, I, I have an idea. And okay. not, not that this is crazy, but, but, but work with me here. Okay. What if they made it something in the options where you could choose? <laughs> yeah, their options menu still sucks. It looks a little bit better because they added things like TSAA and motion blur options. So you get the illusion that there's more options, but the options menu still sucks. Okay. I don't, I, I need to, I need to move on to the bathroom. <laughs> you need to go purge. Yeah. So, so any, any final question before I run to the, the toilet? Um, no, I think that about covers it, at least for now. Okay. But don't worry, we're going to be talking about more about No Man's Sky later because, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, matter of fact, in just a minute or two. Yep. But that's after the, the bathroom break and the elevator music. All right. So I'll be back in a minute or two. See you on the next floor. <laughs> All right, and so we're back from our bathroom break to discuss more No Man's Sky. Yeah, we've heard from No Man's Sky bullshit to No Man's Sky bullshit. Yep. Uh, our first news topic of the day is the ASA finds No Man's Sky ads, or advertising, not misleading. Bullshit! Oh, sorry. I, 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 I must have caught something from you because I have a little bit of a cough. <laughs> Okay. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you. Okay, so if I understand this correctly, the the reason that they ruled on it was because they felt like the thing that was missing, specifically the animals not interacting the way they were supposed to, they didn't feel like that was enough to mislead people. But they went and, super specific with it, right? Well, well here's well, here's what uh, another thing about it is that they looked solely at the Steam store page, not everything leading up to the launch of this turd. And that's really where they kind of missed the entire point. Right. Because they essentially were saying, you know, all those uh, interviews and everything that Sean Murray was uh, giving before he ran off to the Caribbean to start snorting cocaine off hookers' taints, that did the kind of advertising. Or, or right. uh, it's more probably, you know, it was uh, uh, the uh, the complaint was solely based on uh, the current state of the advertising and... Uh, the ASA either may be outside their jurisdiction or it just wasn't the, in the complaint, the pre-launch uh, advertising. But uh, yeah. let's let's just go ahead and start diving into this. Uh, let's see. Not encountering what is shown in the advertisement. It, it, a lot of this is the ASA uh, talks to Hello Games and Hello Games says, uh, I don't have to explain shit, procedural generation. Yeah. That, that's pretty much their response to everything. 
Hello Games from now on, well, I'll just ignore the abbreviation. Explain to the ASA that due to the games uh, being procedurally generated, the probability of finding uh, what is depicted in the ad will be unlikely. Hello Game explained that as each user's experience would vary differently, it would be difficult to recreate the exact scenes from the ad. Well, unless you had that particular seed and you were able to go to that cave. Right. Because they found that in the game files. Yep. That, that's the thing, is that they found that in the game files, and you try to recreate that in the game, and you can't because all the special scripting that they have to make all the animals move in herds and everything doesn't exist in the actual game. <laughs> right. Uh, before we go any farther, there's going to be a lot of this. Yeah. I think that the ASA is kind of out of their league on this one. Yeah, I think they um, uh, don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, this may be what uh, Kyle uh, talks about, the law not catching up to current technology. Granted, the ASA is not a law enforcement. No. It's a, a consumer's rights group, if I recall correctly. Correct. But it's still the same principle that they're still too far behind to really understand what's going on with games uh, marketing. And also, the ASA may be falling back on the ruling that, that that's been going around that because gamers understand that trailer footage isn't representative of the final game, trailers could lie to gamers. Right. Which seems a, you know, a very circular argument, you know? Yeah. Well, the ASA did rule against Aliens Colonial Marines a few years ago, and they had to put special... Uh, to sell the game in the UK, they had to put special uh, disclaimers on the box and on the packaging that said, you know, the the footage or the the advertising for this game is misleading, and the game does not match the final product doesn't match the advertising, something like that. So they have ruled positively, but uh, Aliens Colonial Marines was very straightforward. The E3 demo and all of the main stuff yeah, they the used E3 to sell demo was not in the game at all. Yeah, none of that stuff is in the game, and you can't argue well, procedural generation. Don't have to explain shit. Yeah, and there are certain elements that do kind of match up. Um, like, for example, the the warp speed thing. I mean, that's not horribly off. Um, so I understand why they ruled uh, that that it wasn't misleading in that in that sense. Um, and a couple well, other things. Well, we'll go this uh, section by section. Uh, we're still sure. talking about the encounters, which I can understand, uh, you know, where they're coming from with this. But at the same time, uh, it's not the encounter itself. It's how the encounter works in general. You know, seeing all the herd, seeing uh, the different animals behave in vastly different ways. When uh, From everything that I've seen in No Man's Sky, and you could correct me on this if I'm wrong, is sure. that animals have just a couple basic... Uh, behaviors either they wander around randomly or they attack you that's generally what happens there are animals that will attack other animals and kill them um the more predatory animals will kill the more herbivorous type animals yeah, but you don't see them moving around like they do in the trailer oh no they don't move that, around that, like that's that what, that's what i was trying to get at together but it doesn't feel like a herd it just feels like a bunch of ai standing around next to each other it feels like a bunch of randomly wandering things, yeah, you know, spawn together. Right, right. So. so it's not like watching a herd of elephants moving across the wild. It's like 
if all the ele- uh, elephants just happen to be the- together and then they start wandering in different directions. Yeah, it's like all of these animals spawned together when I triggered the generation for this portion and they're just kind of standing around. So uh, anything you really want to say on this? No. Uh, on this uh, I mean, subsection? I, well, uh, move on uh, to another uh, well, subsection. I uh, will say I disagree with their ruling, but again, I think that they're out of their depth. And Hello Games is just sticking to their guns of, oh, it's procedural generation. That means that we don't have to ensure quality. Well, uh, well, here's what uh, a- the ASA said about the uh, uh, not encountering what's shown. The ASA has ruled that uh, the summary of No Man's Sky made clear that the procedural generation... It was expected that players would understand that any video or, or images used in the marketing of the game would be representative of gameplay that they would encounter, but not necessarily be the same gameplay that they would encounter. The ASA also acknowledged that Hello Games' assertion that the larger battles were more unusual and noted that the footage that they provided were materially similar of a battle. However, Hello Games provided footage of a space battle similar but not the same as the one shown in the trailer. And uh, remember, this is before the base building update that they added a lot more AI fleets. Right. So, yeah, that I would say that's bullshit. What about you? I agree. Okay, so let's move on to graphics. Uh, Hello Games has uh, stated that the videos in the ad were produced using the, a gaming PC of average uh, specification based on the standard shown in the Steam survey of t- uh, typical user hardware, above minimum specs. They said that the quality of the graphics shown in the ad was inferior to the graphics of the game that it was capable of exhibiting, and however, representative of the quality of the graphics of No Man's Sky experienced by the average player. Uh, l- l- shall we stop right there or continue on? <laughs> oh, this game receives such a graphical downgrade from the E3 demonstration. I run with the game on max settings, and it looks nowhere near as good as those trailers. Well, remember, uh, is there any new trailers for this game, or is it all the E3 footage? Unless, I mean, we can go check on Steam, but last time I looked, it was still the E3 footage. And I was just on that page as well, and I, I didn't see anything new. It's E3 footage, and... This, uh, the second trailer I don't recognize offhand. Uh, is this the base building one or no, that's not the base building one. But, yeah. It does look like they changed the screenshots, uh, to be ba- the, some of the base building stuff. Yeah. They added some of the base building screenshots, um, and but then they have some of the older screenshots. Yeah. But, but you can still, still have see a trailer. huge difference between like the. Uh, the, uh, still from the E3 trailer with the Brontosaurus thing, yeah. compared to uh, the uh, the base building screenshots. Those are vastly different. Yeah, just look at the base building screenshot where, well, and I know I, it, it, it's probably annoying to say look at, and you know I'm referring to a visual element uh, on an audio podcast. Uh, but go to the uh, uh let's just go to the uh, domain sc- uh, sky uh store page and look at the base building uh, screenshot, the very first screenshot uh, in the list, and compare that to the one that has the Brontosaurus, which is the third from the last. And just compare the graphical quality of those two screenshots. 
Quite the difference, huh? I mean, there's noticeably more detail in the E3 shot with the the brontosaurus in it. Yeah, for and, lack of a better term. Yeah. And I mean, the game still looks pretty good. It's a much better screenshot generator than it is a video generator. But, <laughs> I mean, there's still a marked noticeable difference in the two stills. Yeah. Uh, so, shall we continue with uh, the graphics section? Because, yeah, it starts to get good. Sure. The videos of the ad were uh, recordings of gameplay from the game, and the static images were in-game screenshots. They stated that the videos uploaded to Steam had a resolution of 1080p and a frame rate of 30 FPS with anti-aliasing. Performance of the game, uh, 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 gaming PC typical of those used by Steam customers, would run the game at 1080p with 60 FPS. Yeah, but before, uh, uh, definitely not the launch version. <laughs> nope. Which is what we were primarily talking about here, because this is an old rule or an old case. They noticed that they noted that the post-release uh, updates to the game that provided further visual improvements. Oh, sorry, they noted that there were uh, essentially uh, post-release patches. They provided screenshots of the game uploaded by, to a third-party uh, website by a player, which they said illustrated the high visual quality that players were able to achieve. The game didn't... <laughs> I mean, I suppose if by uh, post-release updates that provide visual improvements mean make the game work for people, sure, I'll let that slide. <laughs> And again, I've already I've already said this game can generate some amazing looking screenshots just because of the the I don't know the quirkiness or the just the type of visual style that they used makes beautiful screenshots, but not in motion. So yeah, and the ASA rulings, uh, the ASA uh, made it clear that they understood that the graphical output of the game was dependent. On the player's PC and its specs, and it was assumed that the player would be aware of the specs needed to run No Man's Sky. <laughs> Which was absolutely false at launch. I mean, you basically just had to get lucky and have the magical hardware combination or, like, the tech aura or whatever. You, you had like, to hit the uh, silicon lottery, essentially. Yeah, because people like TB with monster overpowered PCs... Oh. Could not run this game. He was so pissed off on his stream when he was trying to run it because it kept crashing and just having terrible performance. Yeah, and and if you had PCs that just met like their kind of recommended uh, stuff, the game wouldn't run at at you know ten eighty sixty, maybe ten eighty thirty. I mean, I kind of hit the lottery and was able to get sixty most of the time outside of the frame drops that it had that I think everyone experienced. So. Oh, it's just, it, it feels like they're missing the point. You know? Yeah. Uh, because the ad footage had been uh, captured uh, using a PC of a broadly typical specification for the platform on which uh, the, uh, that the ad appeared, the videos were uploaded with a lower frame rate from the game itself. Well, not that much lower, depending on uh, you know how uh, unlucky you were with your specs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say specs, but even just uh, build. It was ruled that the uh, images and footage used on Steam were not misleading. <laughs> oh, you know, it's good that we can laugh at this. 
especially because I didn't waste my money on this. And it's also fun that we go to so many uh, fun places with this game, and none of them actually involve playing the fucking game. <laughs> yeah, very little of the content that we generate around No Man's Sky has to do with playing it. Do you want me to read the next one so that your voice doesn't give out? Yeah, sure. In-game warp speed versus add warp speed. Uh, Hello Games explained that there were a number of in-game factors which could influence the warp speed for the player as well as the player's hardware. The complexity of the system player warps to is an issue. Systems that have a higher abundance of planets and wildlife will take longer time to warp to. In the video and the ad that featured warping, the player warped to a sparse system with a single planet, one moon, and hardly any life. This took three to five seconds. Hello Games confirmed that they had not edited the video in question. This is probably the one that I, I you know, don't mind the most. Yeah. Because uh, the warp is essentially the loading screen, which they uh, have to generate everything from, which I kind of see the point with this one. Yeah. And honestly, I don't feel like that's very misleading yeah. anyways. It's like sometimes it's going to take you longer to warp somewhere because it's farther away or, you know, your PC's slower or whatever. Like, whatever. I get that one. I mean, their ruling says... Hello Games provided footage that showed the warp a couple of seconds longer than the one shown in the ad, but the ASA understood that this was due to the complexity of the system that was warped to. During gameplay, the ASA even experienced a warp that lasted 16 seconds. They yeah. acknowledged that some players have experienced longer warp times, but stated that the ad showing general gameplay differences in speed were not considered to be significant. It was ruled that the ad did not mislead in terms of the game's warp speed. Which I agree with that. Sometimes you'll warp and it'll be almost immediate, and sometimes it'll take... A while. The longest warp time I've ever had was like 30 seconds or so, um, which can get annoying, but that's really rare. I mean, most of the time it's like 10 seconds and, you know, you've loaded up the next system and you're good to go. Uh, the next bit, fly smoothly from deep space to planetary surfaces with no loading screens. Halo Games explained that there were no loading screens involved in frying from deep space in a solar system to the sur surface of a planet. Yeah, because it's hidden warp drive. Yep. They said that the environment and characteristics were generated in real time while a player moved through the game, including when they warped between systems, during which time the player could continue to interact with the game. Um, I mean, there are no loading screens. Um, you know, they hide the loading behind that weird filter that they use uh, to that like makes everything look grainy. That and then kind of environmental factors like clouds and stuff to obscure yeah. the ground below you. Um, and the game uses, you know, level of detail scaling so that the closer you But fly not to very ground, well. <laughs> no, not very well. But, I mean, the farther up you are, the less it's loaded in. And the closer you fly, it you know, the more it loads in. And that those are where a lot of your frame hitches come from. The game just struggles to load stuff a lot of times. Um, let's see, the ASA ruling. The ASA explained that they were aware that the warp screen used could be considered a loading screen. However, as the warp is used only to travel between solar systems, this was not misleading as it is still possible to travel from deep space to a planet's surface without a loading screen. The ASA also stated that the warp screen was not a loading screen as it didn't interrupt the gameplay experience due to it being consistent with the gameplay before and after initiating the warp. The warp is the only thing close to a loading screen in No Man's Sky because it was shown in the ad... The player was therefore aware of it before purchasing and so was not misled. I'm okay with this one too. It's like, you know, still, they're just like using little tricks to hide their loading screens 
and you know you can you don't actually have to stop and wait for something to load wherever you go you know there's no loading please wait so i i really don't have a problem with that one either the next yeah, one i think what i have the most problem with isn't even listed here and what they never even looked at was what was promised but never delivered yeah what wasn't present at launch that was promised mm-hmm so the last one that they have listed before the final ruling, uh, factions vie for territory. Hello Games explained that the story relating to the factions would be uncovered as the player explored the universe and interacted with faction-related NPCs. No, you don't. Hello Games went on to say <laughs> that solar systems were controlled by a single faction, and when interacting with an NPC from a particular faction, they would sometimes mention a dislike of the other factions. No, they don't. There was also the chance to partake in battles between factions. No, there isn't. And supporting one faction in the fight would increase the player's reputation with that faction. Hello Game chose the word vying as it indicates the ongoing struggle. No, there isn't. <laughs> so in other words, they outright lied and uh, the ASA is rolling? There is, well, there is a player reputation system, but it has nothing to do with interacting with the other factions. It's just you do quests for them, and if you complete the quests, you get improvements, and if you accidentally do something that pisses them off, like fail a puzzle, then you lose reputation. Maybe this uh, is uh, Sean Murray, you know, uh, uh, his uh, uh, voice was a little muffled. <laughs> Let's see, the ASA ruling, the ASA understood that consumers would understand that there was more than one faction, with each faction holding a certain territory, and some aspects would relate to tension between the factions. The ASA also understood that players can engage in space battles by siding with one faction during the battle. No, you can't. And that this player, and that this played a role in the player's reputation with that faction. No, it doesn't. Noting the explanation from Hello Games, the ASA ruled that the description did not differ from the relevant gameplay feature. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, in other words, the ASA was lied to, and uh, they, they believed, believed them. To me, this is the most egregious one that they list. Um, the graphics are are a pretty big one too but i think because of my personal feelings about graphics i don't really give a shit about that but i do really care about the fact that one of the major gameplay elements being essentially faction warfare for lack of a better term doesn't exist at all in any way so that yeah it's like uh, uh, saying well uh, i'm gonna go back to freelancer once again there was a faction warfare essentially in freelancer but the Different factions never took over other places. Right. But there were still skirmishes. Well, there's not even skirmishes here. And the uh, and the full uh, ruling, which will be in the show notes, has a lot more, including uh, trade convoys between stars. Uh, talking about that. Yep. Those still don't exist unless that's a hidden function of the new freighter fleets that fly around. But... It would be hidden. Like, nothing is ever mentioned about trade convoys in the new update. Yeah. It's the ASA talking to Hello Games and Hello Games lying about a few things. And, you know, that was that. Yeah. They didn't mention multiplayer at all, did they? Nope. Most, uh, well, hang on. Uh, that's because on the Steam Store page, look, single player, Steam achievements, full controller support. Steam Cloud, and that's it for the tags. I thought No Man's Sky was originally marked as multiplayer. Uh, if it was, it's not anymore. I feel like it was, but that, I mean, I could be misremembering. I'm not going to put any stock in that. My I'm memory's not the greatest. At, 
Well, I'm looking at the tags, and even the tags have dropped a multiplayer of it that was there. Granted, <laughs> the tags are being trolled. Uh, here's the tags on the Steam uh, No Man's Sky. And it starts off good, then it starts to get weird. Open world, space, exploration, sci-fi, first person, procedural generation, adventure, survival, single player, sandbox, atmospheric, space sim, indie, crafting, action, simulator, first person uh, shooter, Illuminati, (laughs) psychological horror, great soundtrack. (laughs) Some of those are more applicable than others, and then you get to Illuminati and psychological horror. All right. Yeah, so they're getting trolled a little bit there, but uh, the fact that it mentions uh, doesn't mention multiplayer at all anymore is quite telling. Yeah. So, you know, I disagree with the ASA's ruling. Um, really? I'm not sure if that's because they went too broad and tried to go after too many things. So even if they had, at least in what's, you know, even if they had said, well, we disagree with this, would they have had too many things to have actually enacted something? Or were they just completely out of their depth? And I think they were a bit out of their depth. And they also focused on, well, for one, talking too much to Hello Games and not uh, doing research themselves, it seems. Because you know, it's, uh, Hello Games flat out lied about a few things. And you know, that was that. Yeah, I think if they had done like five minutes of genuine consumer research, that they would have found a lot a lot of things to, but also to slam the fact that with. the fact that they were focused on what was on the Steam Store page itself and not the pre-release hype. They didn't look at all the stuff Sony would produce, the, all the interviews that Sean Murray had. I mean, hell, Sean Murray did the talk show circuit about this game. Yeah, I, I remember him being on Colbert. Yeah, on Stephen Colbert. I mean, the fact that he was on uh, Colbert talking about Hello uh, about uh, No Man's Sky. And how many of the things that he said on Tobear were false? I don't remember. A few. More than a few. Because he talked about multiplayer on Colbert, or on the, mm-hmm. the, the Colbert Report. Was it the Colbert Report at the time, or did no, he have I think a it was, late show? I think it was that, that was his late show, because uh, the Colbert okay. Report's been gone for a while. Okay. Can you yeah, imagine so the Colbert the... Report nowadays? Ooh. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so on the late show, I know he talked about multiplayer, because I remember Stephen Colbert specifically saying, wow, this sounds amazing. Can you do this with other people? And then Sean was like, "Yeah, yeah, you can you can do stuff with other players and in the game." You know, I, you can always tell when Sean Murray's lying. You know how? How he's talking. <laughs> I figured it was going to be that. <laughs> well, no, it's more that he's awake, but still, he's breathing. Okay, do you have anything that you want to add, or do you want to? Uh, well, let's to do the on? final uh, ruling real quick, and oh, okay. I'll, I'll read this. We understood that the screenshots and videos in the ad had created uh, had been created uh, using uh, game footage, and acknowledged that the in doing this, the advertisers would aim to show the product in its best light. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, taking into account the above points, we considered that the overall impression of the ad was consistent with gameplay. Uh, wait, there's gameplay in this. Uh, I thought, <laughs> and the footage provided both in terms. That uh, was captured by Hello Games and third parties. That it did not exaggerate expected player experience at the game. 
Uh, we therefore conclude that the ad did not uh, breach the code. <laughs> and you're strangely quiet. I'm just, I'm popping my knuckles. Just, just listening. I'm sorry, but I can't read that with a straight face. <laughs> Oh, the fact that they're using their E3 trailer for advertising on their Steam page, or at least they were at the time. I'm pretty sure that they still are, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, that, how is that not misleading? I'm just shaking my head. I realize you can't see me. I'm shaking my head. No. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I'm ready to go talk about something else. This is making me sad again. <laughs> Well, do you think the next topic's going to make you feel any better? I mean, really? Um, maybe. <laughs> Our next topic, 38% of all Steam games were released in 2016. Yeah, that's a hell of a percentage, isn't it? Yeah. Steam's it, got... Well, i got to pull up the news, news article on it. Steam's got several well, thousand games. Well, this Something was like, just a, a tweet that was originally put out by Steam Spy. Right. Which I, I'm probably going to try to find a, a better uh, link for this uh, while we talk about this. But yeah, 38%. Uh, this was uh, released a f- uh, few days ago. So uh, yeah, obviously it's going to be uh, um, maybe even 40% by the time that uh, the uh, end of the year rolls around. Well, I mean, the farther you get away from listening to this video, the more out of date these numbers are going to be. But currently where it sits, 38%. Of all of Steam's games released in 2016 so far, that's 4,207 games. Yeah. That's more games than the first, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, uh, I would say going, uh, going all the way to 2014. Yeah, that's that. more games were released this year than the first 10 years of Steam. And trust me, I could see a definite decline in the, well, I'm not sure if it's a decline or if it's just the fact that, you know, that I'm uh, seeing a lot more crap and, you know, trying to find the gems is starting to feel like swimming around in sewage for a, a diamond in the rough, you know? Well, Steam has never had quality control. True. Ever. And used to, the uh, only way you could get a game published on Steam was to be a big enough publisher to be able to do so. And then they started allowing sort of high-profile indies, and then they started allowing making it easier for indie games to get on as long as they had a publisher or could pay the self-publishing fee. And then in, what was it, 2014? Is that Green when Greenlight Light started? Uh, I think so. And then that made it, essentially, you pay 100 bucks, you get enough votes, you get on Steam. Yeah, which honestly, the 100 bucks, uh, it is nice that they uh, give that to Child's Play. Yeah. But um, I wonder how much money they've raised for Child's Play that way. Probably a decent amount, because not all games that get submitted yeah. make it onto Steam. I mean, I know that's only like a few games, but not all of them make it, guys. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and that's when things really exploded. Greenlight made it so that, you know, you get enough votes, you get on Steam. And huge sort of, not exactly publishers, but... Groups of people who would basically accept payment to guarantee yeah. your game gets on Steam cropped up, 
And so as that has been happening, more and more games make it onto Steam through Greenlight. Plus, in general, I mean, there are just a lot more game releases, period. Um, more triple, well, more studios, more publishing studios. I would say uh, a bigger glut of indies and double A games. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna. That's that's what I was trying to go for. More, there's a lot more double A games, um, and a I would lot say more this was actually games. not a great game or a great year for triple A games in general. There was a lot no, of were... really bad releases, and honestly, the uh, games in general felt a lot less polished, even after you know their crappy releases and getting fixed. Yeah, I mean, there were still a few yeah. diamonds this year. Doom and... Um, well, I gotta mention Civ Six, otherwise Kyle will hunt me down. Yeah, Civ Six was a good release this year. Um, uh, though, well, those are games that have come <laughs> a long way. I was gonna say The Division, but it didn't release well, but it just yeah. it became a better game through constant yeah, and, updates uh, and sup- attention. Uh, supposedly their DLC makes it uh, a lot better at the max level. Yeah. Where it's a survival mode. Mm-hmm. Or a uh, better survival mode, I guess I should say, because the game is technically a survival mode anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's not a release. That's, yeah, uh, uh, what happened post-release, uh, their uh, post-release support. Yeah. Battlefield 1 was supposedly a really good release. I mean, I haven't played it, so I can't confirm, but... I was just disinterested. One was one of the best shooters that released this year. Um, I didn't hear anyone uh, really complaining about Call of Duty's uh, uh, performance. It was more the substance of it. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like the content. But that's more, you know, Call of Duty trying something different. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's kind of kind of sad on that. We're dangerously close to getting off topic, although that's not new for us. But <laughs> Call of Duty. <laughs> is kind of a victim to itself. Like call of duty has built this thing that is sustained by basically being the same thing every year with very tiny changes. And there's been a larger and larger cry, innovate, innovate, make real change. And they really innovated. This call of duty was, I mean, for a first person shooter was vastly different. It had like side missions and a hub area and, they added the entire space combat system with both fighter controls and in space sort of like jet. Yeah, I will fighting. say that everything I've seen about the new Call of Duty, granted, I have no interest in the multiplayer, but the single player actually looks interesting. It Shame it'll really never uh, be discounted enough for me to really uh, support buying it because you know Activision. Yeah, but I mean, it looks really interesting and innovative, and people like chat all over it. So, hell, the tr- uh, launch trailer for that was just downloaded all to hell. Yeah. For really no good reason outside of, you know, being different. Yeah. But, so there were a few AAA releases that were, that released well this year, but for every one we could list off several others that released poorly or were at best mediocre. So, not a good year for AAAs, but AA's and, and indie games had a yeah. stellar year this year. Almost every good game I can think of was either a AA or an indie. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. all of my favorite games from this year were AA and indie releases. Yeah, same so. here. Either that or technically not yet released because they're early access, but uh, they released on early access this year. Right. Like I mean, all like of- like RimWorld, for example, is uh, I would I would call that an indie game, but it's in early access as well. So Factorio. Yeah, Factorio. Uh, well, a AA game that I really liked recently was The Dwarves. Yeah, Transport Fever's a AA game. 
You know, I'm just uh, looking at my Steam library, trying to pick out things. Or uh, my recently played games, I guess I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a good year for well, indies. Kerbal. And... Yeah, Kerbal released this year. That's an indie game. Although, with how big it is. Yeah. Uh, double A. Yeah, double A. So, it's uh, definitely been the year of indies and double A's. Yeah. I'm just curious as to how long that this growth can be sustained before Steam falls apart under its weight. Like well, Steam the, the main really... thing, the main problem here isn't the number of games. It's Steam's search is just terrible. It's hard to find something. Yeah. And the Steam tags are not helping whenever you have trolls putting Illuminati and psychological horror on anything that's crappy. See No Man's Sky. Yeah. They really need, and we've said this quite a few times this year, I'm sure we'll keep saying it, they need a curation team to go through and basically start from scratch. Just throw everything away, set a curation team on it, and put them to work. It would be great if they were in-house because they can guarantee consistent results. But I'm sure they could outsource this to the community and just give them some rewards. You know, Give them some Steam wallet money or... Um, some big discounts outside of normal sales or something like that. They would have to, if they give it to the uh, community, they would have to have a huge vetting process, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, they should have some sort of vetting process, some kind of test that you have to take, or, um, you know, have good behavior, you know, have some way to show that you have good behavior or whatever. How about this? How about you're only able to tag games that you actually own, so you can't go through and tag like no man's sky with you know psychological horror if you don't own it that would well, for, well, for this system that would yeah so you you still go through the vetting process but you're only allowed to enter information on games that you own and then maybe they have a separate curation team that does stuff that nobody owns yeah i have an in-house team that uh does the more obscure stuff or it would at least cut down you know yeah, that would work because then they could have a very small in-house team. I mean, you know, even one guy could probably that keep poor up. intern. Yeah, that that one poor intern could probably keep up with <laughs> a lot of the new indie releases or the really obscure stuff. Um, because I mean, I would go through and spend some work on the, especially for some incentives, you know, Steam wallets or you know, discount codes that never expire or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would I would go through and do some work on the stuff that I have in my library. I hesitate to even touch my library. <laughs> I'm still trying to sort my unsorted games. Yeah. Eventually what's going to happen though, is if they don't come up with some way to fix it, curation system being the best bet, they might come up with another option that we're not thinking of to. Well, uh, the closest thing second. that they have right now is the curators. Yeah. But, but that doesn't really work all that well because uh, a lot of the curators are uh, information based about yeah you know, bad things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the frame rate police being one of them. <clears throat> yeah, so, so that's yes, that is important information, but it's not the information that they want. Yeah, but what's going to happen though is if they don't come up with a solution for this, is eventually Steam is going to become known as 
a cesspit where garbage games go to die. And it'll take a while for that to happen, but Steam's kind of good faith darling relationship that they had is starting to wither away, especially this year. I think it, the process kind of started last year for people like you and me who really pay attention, but yeah. I've seen a lot more general negative press about Steam this year than I remember seeing in the last several. And I, a big chunk of that is because they just have really crappy curation and really crappy customer service. Yeah, I'm just going through my curators. And, uh, and a lot of them are you know, informational-based. Uh, the uh, But not recommending particular games. It's more warnings. Right. So... I mean, hell, uh, uh, Total Biscuit is still the top curator, and he has over, uh, no, just under double of uh, PC Gamer, which is second. But Total Biscuit also has two of the top uh, ten curators. Yeah. I follow both of them. Mm -hmm. Which we definitely need to update our curator. Yes, we do. But that's another point for another time. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I really don't know what else to say about this. I mean, like, to me, that's crazy. Those are crazy big numbers. But Well, this also kind of ties into what Jim uh, has in the community corner, which we could talk about now, is that uh, some of these shovelware games, what they're really doing is trying to make money off the Steam market by just putting out uh, Steam uh, trading cards. Yeah, there's a, a YouTube um, video that he linked. Did he link to Tarmac's video? Uh, I'd have to actually go look. There's there's a YouTuber that I I subscribe to. Uh, he's a pretty small gaming channel that does a lot of indie news, but he also does like a discussion topic every week. And he had a really long, well thought out, in depth video about this issue. Uh, and the guy's YouTube channel is uh, Tarmac. And I didn't grab the link when I was on the Twitter, so I'm uh, heading over there right now to grab it. So I'll be able to tell you in just a moment. As soon as I find Jim's, uh, okay, there it is. And it is Tarmac, yeah. Yep. Go, you know, everybody go watch that video. It explains this way better than we could. Yeah, it'll be in the uh, show notes. Let's see when I don't forget. All right. Well, are you ready to move on to the next news topic then? I think so. All right. Let's go talk about the 2016 game advertisements. uh, I mean, awards. The cringiest night in video gaming. <laughs> what? Oh, the shit hydrobot. <laughs> Best and worst part of the whole show. It's one of those uh, moments that I was watching it. Uh, I don't remember taking any drugs before I started this. <laughs> then I looked down at the coffee. Uh, it tasted a little bit. It's like, does it taste funny? I don't think I slipped anything in this. <laughs> Yeah, this awards show was awful. If it was any worse, it would have to have Spike TV in the corner. <laughs> uh, they they stopped producing this sh- uh, the uh, video game awards, well, what it was before. The Spike TV video game awards, I believe it was called. Yeah. On Spike TV because it got so cringy. And the first year was, you know, it wasn't bad. It had some faults, but... Uh, I watched a uh, Total Biscuits video on uh, the, on the Video Game Awards, and I think he really hit the nail on the head. And it's something I hadn't considered: is that they have uh, 
made this such a big event and they uh, rented out this huge theater that they have to shield, they have to kind of make it cringy to really be able to pay for it all. Right. They have to get these musical acts and uh, try to entertain the crowd. And honestly, uh, they had three acts. One was video game related, playing video game music. And I never even heard the other two fuckers. Have yeah, you? I didn't. I didn't watch the whole thing. I came in and out of it. Um, I once the VOD worked because originally the VOD on YouTube was co- <laughs> got a copyright strike for the which music was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> but once they got that sorted out, I kind of turned it on and listened to it in the background while I was doing some paperwork. Um, and I'd stop and watch it every once in a while, especially every time the Shik Hydrobot came on because <laughs> he was amazing and I love him. But um. You know, so some of it I saw, some of it I missed. I don't remember the music acts. They did not imprint upon me. Oh, it it was terrible. It, it I, I was trying to figure out what the hell this has to do with uh, video games. If the music acts had uh, their music in games, I would understand. But at least from everything that I could find and uh, was told in the uh, videos I've watched about this, because I haven't watched just TB's video. I've watched a few people talking about this. Uh, outside of the Doom, uh, playing, uh, Doom music, the other two groups had absolutely nothing to do with video games whatsoever. I mean, who were they? I can't even remember. <laughs> That's the thing. They're, they were so forgettable. Uh, only thing I remember is the cringe. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember one tweet, uh, talking, uh, about, Hey, who let Big Smoke onto the onto the uh, stage uh, for the rap group? Which uh, the the mix on all the uh, music was actually terrible. Uh, the tracks just uh, sounded like that uh, one was way too loud and was drowning out all the others. Yeah. And uh, in Total Biscuits video, he actually pointed out that one of the rap songs uh, they had a drummer in the background, but the music had no drum track. <laughs> so, uh, so so they spent the entire uh, act sitting there. It's like, okay, uh, what about the guitarist? Is he in this? And they, they were watching. And it's like, no, he's not in this. So they were either momming or they were playing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it, uh, the mix wasn't right. One of the two. <laughs> Maybe both. That's funny. Yeah, I didn't even notice because I wasn't looking at him. Oh, and well, we we talked about uh, the Shik Hadrabot. Oh, the advertising in this was just uh, terrible. I know, I know, you love the Hadrabot, and uh, you're going to marry him someday. Yeah, he's going to be my boyfriend, my robot boyfriend. (laughs) Boy, that's going to be really awkward on the podcast. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, because the uh, bot doesn't talk at all. It's just going to sit there. You're going to be uh, talking about yourself now. You're replacing me. <laughs> That's fine. He'll help keep me hydrated. He'll keep my skin nice and hydrated and smooth. Oh. Although I guess I'll have to shave. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like this idea anymore. I don't want to shave. <laughs> I do need to trim my beard, but... The Schick Hydrobot can't help me with that unless but, but, he's got an electric oh my. razor attachment. 
But, uh, okay, well, let's talk about the winners real quick. We won't do a complete breakdown of this, but they kept talking about, well, we don't have enough time to announce all the winners. And whenever a particular game would win one award, they would say, it also won uh, best esports game and best uh, family game and best whatever. Okay, yeah. you're complaining about not having enough time, but then you have three musical acts. Yeah. And all these weird little advertisements with the Chic Hydrobot. Uh, and not just that, but the Assassin's Creed movie, which... Why did you have to remind me that's a thing? <laughs> oh, I hope the Assassin's Creed movie is going to be good, but I don't believe it will be. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm yeah. whispering so I don't hurt its feelings. Oh. But... Uh, well, before they even uh, started it, in the pre-show, uh, they gave out best mobile hand- handheld game and best family game to Pokemon Go. Yep. Which, okay, so they're giving it to a walking simulator. Mobile and handheld, okay, fam- family, uh, okay. Get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> you know, I have to say, the biggest problem that I have with this, with this award show that Problems that I don't usually have at other award shows. Because other award shows are based around community voting. And it's like, how do you quantify that? Mm-hmm. But these games, uh, the awards that they had for these games, like they had a panel that specifically gave the awards to the games. I want to know why. Why did they award, you know, Well, also the, uh, all of these games are awards? Hang on. Uh, um... I want to know who exactly is on the panel because I think a lot of this is the panelists giving awards to each other because you have industry leaders on the panel and wait a minute. (laughs) That's like a a bunch of directors on the, uh, on uh, the Oscars giving, yeah, best director to one another. (laughs) I know Reggie fils was on the, the panel. I remember hearing that a week or two ago. I mean, I realized that the Oscars is uh, voted on by the SAG members, but it's also an absolute huge group that's voting. And then they narrow it down and have the judges. Well, but they list the reasons why that things win an Oscar. It's like this won an Oscar for this thing because of reason whatever. They didn't have any reasons for any of these games. It's just like, yeah, we decided this game won this award and this award and this award. And some of them are kind of like, okay, I get that. Like, best mobile handheld game for Pokemon Go? Sure. You know, I could see where people would disagree, but that game had a huge impact this year. Makes sense that you award it to it. But best family game? Why that? Okay, the following publications uh, submitted ballots. Uh, All's Gamers, which I never heard of. Edge, EGM. Entertainment Weekly, because I go to them for video game news. Eurogamer. Famitsu. Fun, Funhouse? Oh, Funhouse? No, no, uh, it's not. Uh, H-A-U-S? Yeah, Funhouse. That's, okay. um, they're affiliated with Rooster Teeth. Yeah. They're like uh, their specific gaming division. Game Informer. GameSpot, which is shown to be very, uh... Mm, what's the proper term for this? Well, GameSpot and IGN both uh, have been kind of uh, weird on how they review games. GamesRadar, Giant Bomb, Gexel, uh, Jatsu Video, Gotaku UK, Mashable, 
Level Up, Mary Station, which I'd never heard of, um, Multiplayer.it, Polygon, which is, uh, you know, a, a pillar of the community. Yep. Rooster Teeth, uh, Spelly Tips, which I also never heard of, the Los Angeles Times, USA Today, both of which I go to for all my video game news, Wired Waypoint, and UOL Jogos, which I've never heard of. I've not heard of most of those. And granted, I could be just butchering a lot of these, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, a lot of this just seems like they're picking the AAA game of the year or, you know, or the game that is the most well known and not the best. I mean, perfect example, Pokemon Go. That's yeah. the video, that's the family game of the year. The RPG game of the year, and it's the same issue I had with the golden joysticks, went to an expansion pack for The Witcher 3. Yeah. But then there's a redeeming moments of the game, or of the, the video game awards, where they have these really impactful moments. Like, did you watch the acceptance speech for The Dragon Cancer? Yes, I just wanted to go give that man a hug. Like, just give him a big hug and yeah. be like, it's okay, buddy. We all love you here. Yeah, so I can't, uh, yeah, want to throw out the video game awards completely because, uh, of touching moments like that, but then, uh, it felt like they didn't understand the impact, uh, whenever they were talking about, you know, the nominees. Yeah. Because they had the, the same foe, you know, trying to be upbeat and chipper while talking about a video game that this was before his acceptance speech. That, yeah, you know, it's about his child dying of fucking cancer. Yeah. I mean, at least be somber about this. All the uh, games in that category, be somber about them. Yeah. You don't have to be upbeat the entire time. Yeah. And then, like, they, uh, and then they go to the uh, commercials. <laughs> yeah. Just need the Chic Hydro Bot to come make it all better. Should have given the, the dad from that dragon cancer a hug. <laughs> Oh, that would have been so cringy. <laughs> I would have loved it. I'm going to ship uh, them now. Oh, God. That Dragon Cancer Dad and the Shik Hydrobot. I'm going to write a, an erotic fan fiction. Actually, I'm not going to do that. That would be horribly irreverent and insensitive. And I honestly really do love that dad. Like, I just want to give him a huge hug from the bottom of my dad heart. Kyle could, Kyle could do it instead. Yeah. And, oh, they did award the best fan creation. They nominated five games or five projects, and three of them either were taken down by Nintendo or uh, they took down two of them. Yeah, I was going to say Nintendo took down two. And then the other one got hit with a uh, cease and desist. So they couldn't even uh, award that. And I have a feeling that Nintendo may be behind that because... They had a huge section of uh, just talking about uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. They talked about it once in the pre-show and then gave it, what, about five minutes during the show itself? Yeah, and it was the most anticipated or most... Yeah, and most anticipated. Yeah, game of the of the year, so... Which, uh, that's a fan-voted one, so... Yeah. 
Um, and then they they always did the or they do this every year with the best esports player and team and the trending gamer or Which, celebrity uh, or whatever. Uh, the trending gamer going to Boogie, I uh, have no problem with. That they highlighted some of the stuff that I absolutely hate about Boogie. He has Francis his stuff. His Francis stuff, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, to, to me, Boogie is almost two YouTubers because he has his Francis stuff, you know, that, uh, I, I, I hate to, I can't even call it parody because honestly, it's just, you know, repeating what a lot of people do online ramped up to 11. And there's no commentary on it to me. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you have uh, the boogie I like, where he's talking about the industry and uh, talking about issues in his life. That's what I far prefer. And other serious things. I mean, he's yeah. got a lot of serious topics that he talks about. And Boogie is is a huge voice for reason in like every controversy that ever comes up. Yeah, granted, sometimes I find that he's uh, very soft on the uh, subjects. Whenever you know uh, he tries to play both sides, when honestly, it doesn't really feel like there's a way to do that fairly. Well, yeah, without, sometimes, but without uh, you know, feeling like you're pandering way too much. Yeah, but Boogie's a good one, though. Yeah, and I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, all out of the trending gamers, I only know of him and Angry Joe, and no, not Angry Joe. <laughs> I I really like Angry Joe. A- Angry Joe comes off as almost as cringy as the Game Awards at Tom's. Angry Joe is a character. I know, I He's, know. He suffers from kind of like the, you know, I think with you sort of a good comparison would be like Jim Sterling. Yeah. Like the character where I could understand Jim, Where I could understand and uh, agree with something Jim Sterling could say, but just the way he says it. Yeah. I mean, listening to, to uh, Angry Joe or just Joe talk about things whenever he does guest on like podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. That's why I like the occasional him. serious video. It's my, it's, it's the boogie uh, problem uh, where I like some of his stuff. I like where he's not playing the character, but when he's playing the character, I can't stand him. Yeah. I do like the angry Joe persona for reviews, but outside of that, whenever he does other videos in the angry Joe persona, I don't like those, but I think it makes reviews comical. But that's beside the beside the point. So, uh, okay, here's going to be an interesting one. What would you change about the Video Game Awards outside of, uh, like, well, for you, having the Chicago bond dancing on the stage for three hours? I would drop absolutely everything that I possibly could that wasn't games-related. Dump the music acts. They just cost money, which require more sponsorship time, which means more other sponsors that aren't the Chic Hydrobot. And just focus in a lot more on the games. Also, explain the the reason because this they don't they do pan, a lot of panelist stuff too. I mean, I know that there's some votes yeah. and everything, but they do have a couple of panels that decide the nominees and put together the votes and everything, and you know, give reasons for why games win categories. Because this is not a massive, you know, hundreds of thousands of people vote, so you can't really have a reason other than it's just popular with the people. So, tell us why. Why did the experts, or whatever you want to call them, choose this game to win this award? That's one of the things that I love so much about, for example, the Arbitrary Awards that, that Total Biscuit does. And yeah, that Total Biscuit goes in-depth. He goes in-depth on everything and why he chose one game over another one. And he even spends some time talking about what the games that he kind of nominated 
to choose from. And I really, really like that. It adds a certain degree of weight to an award. I think for me, the first thing I would do, I would drop the venue. I would have this be an online only. You mean like a a web-hosted thing? A web-hosted thing, because it already pretty much is. Yeah. Everything, uh, the stage and all the uh, rental is essentially uh, just bring in uh, the industry when they really don't need to do that because they could do it as a web-based award show to begin with. Yeah. I mean, um, any old asshole can put together an award show, so. Uh, well, look at us. <laughs> exactly. How about this? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, work with me here. Partner okay. with Twitch. Ooh, that would be good. There's your money. Yeah. You, you, you could still do your music acts, but tie the music acts into video games. Have it be um, uh, one group that I thought of immediately uh, that did a uh, song on a game I played recently, uh, Blind Guardian. They did a uh, bonus song for the dwarves. Yeah. Bring them on and have them play that. Have uh, groups that's been in uh, video games in the last couple of years come on and do their song. If you have to have music, you know? Because I understand yeah. that uh, that does give spacers and uh, you know, uh, brings in more people, you know, the fans of the groups. So, yeah, do things like that. I I don't think that you have to drop uh, all the advertising and everything, uh, but don't make it a... You know, don't have the fucking Chicago bot dancing around. <laughs> but... But I love the Chic Hydro bot dancing around. Ugh. No, I understand. He's super cringy. I happen to be one of the few people that are in the minority of people who love shit like that. So, Yeah. I get it. I've got my Chic Hydro bot videos I can watch on YouTube. You can drop him. <laughs> I do agree with your web thing, though. Drop the, the, you know, I mean, the that, venue. The, the venue has to be the line share of the uh, cost for this thing. Yeah. I mean, granted, that does uh, knock out some people that are coming to the uh, to the awards to uh, uh, have the experience. But honestly, they how many awards did they actually give on the main stage? So Not many. many uh, so many of the awards were on that little side uh, stage that they had, uh, or just mentioned. Yeah, when uh, Overwatch won an award for, I think it was best soundtrack or uh, visual design or whatever the hell, they mentioned uh, like two or three other awards that it won. And they never gave the presentation for that. You know, it's just, oh, it also won these awards. That just takes away the impact of those awards. Right. Uh, Giving awards away in the fucking pre-show, don't do that. Yeah. If you don't have enough time to give uh, the 26 awards, or sorry, 25, because they didn't give away the fan creation, cut down on the number of awards. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not sure where they would be able to cut down without starting to cut down uh, genres. Yeah, best VR game, maybe. Best mobile handheld, maybe. I I, I could understand games for impact, but that really requires a lot more uh, discussion on the topic. Yeah, uh, uh, what does a game for impact mean, and why does uh, That Dragon Cancer win over Orwell or whatever other games were in that uh, category? That's the only one that I could remember offhand. Yeah, what's what is it about Orwell that made it a, a contender? 
if any uh, category needs an explanation, Games for Impact has to be it. Yeah, I agree. And just really condense things down. It, yes, you could still have a three-hour show, and you could still have your guests on, but have, instead of renting this absolutely huge venue, have a set. Yeah. Or just do, you know, Skype with a green screen. <laughs> it's not that hard. Hell, uh, Total Biscuit, when he won uh, the uh, Trending Gamer, he uh, called in. Yeah. Or sent a video in, one of the two. So That would be fine, too. Uh, especially for YouTubers like that, or uh, YouTubers and Twitch uh, players, because that's what the Trending Gamer is. Unless I'm completely mistaken on a couple of the people that I don't know, they're online personalities. I mean, I yeah. understand, you know, esports player, you'd, you'd probably went there, and some of the industry you'd want there. And maybe that's the whole thing is that it's uh, giving the industry something to feel good about when honestly, uh, having the, uh, you know, the Chicago, but I'm coming back to that so many times just because that is like, the cherry on top of the cringe Sunday here, <laughs> but a it's not just cherry. But it's not just that. It's you know all the categories that are sponsored. You know, have the AMD whatever uh, uh, category or uh, what was the other one that was uh, that they had going on that was just you know it was these huge sponsored categories that just felt so out of place. I think it was the esports one. By uh, it doesn't mention the uh, cat or the sponsorships on the uh, article that I'm looking at for the list of uh, award winners. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's not on the other one either. With that has some of the nominees. Yeah, which uh, which I can kind of also mention. Uh, let's talk really quick about the announcements and all the trailers. There, there was actually a promise that there would be a lot more gameplay this year uh, shown. Where was that? <laughs> I can remember two games that had a significant chance of gameplay uh, pl- uh, played. One of them was Legend of Zelda. And the other one was Mass Effect. Yep. Not counting trailers that has, you know, uh, blink and you miss it, you know, seconds of gameplay. There was no real segments showing gameplay. Yeah. And, and it became, you know, just companies running their trailers and the fact that towards the end of the show they started rerunning the ads they had the uh hearthstone ads uh both of them play twice uh, to yeah. give you an example i wish that they had shown more about guardians of the galaxy get hyped Woo! <laughs> guardians of the galaxy from telltale uh, uh a cute the- teaser though yeah, the licensing mill that is Telltale these days. I'm very happy with them milling out Marvel games. If this is is a success, I'd love to see a whole slew of Telltale Marvel games. Yeah, but Telltale Doctor Strange, you, Telltale. You, you, you better Captain believe America. that it would happen if if uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is successful. Oh, I'm gonna I'm buying Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, but you're not pre-ordering, are you? No. Okay. Good. I'll wait for them to release all five episodes at once so that I don't have to wait, and then I'll buy it. Yeah, which honestly is about the best way to do a Telltale game. Yep. 
So are we done talking about the Game Awards, or? I, I think so. Is there really anything else to uh, mention? I don't think so. It, just, I think the focus needs to be more on the games. Agreed. And that, and that they're losing their focus, that they are trying to be what they stopped uh, the Games Awards being uh, on Spike TV for, you know, where they were just going further and further into the cringe territory. Yep. And as much as I love the Chick Hydra bot, he should not be the most memorable part of the award show. Well, also the fact that they gave the best fighting game of the year to uh, St- uh, Street Fighter Five when, oh, that was a complete disaster on launch. Yeah. Granted, it's gotten better over time, but that was the best fighting game, really? Any, oh, 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 before we go, uh, any uh, uh, categories you uh, strongly disagree with? I don't think so. Game of the Year, uh, Overwatch, uh, with best esports game as well, and best multiplayer. Uh, oh, and also best studio game direction uh, for Blizzard for Overwatch. So Overwatch came away with a bunch of awards, but you know, they were only mentioned twice. Yeah. Best narrative, which, yeah, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Uh, Uncharted 4, uh, Thief's End, and Best Performance, Nolan North, winning the Nolan North Award for Best Performance. Yeah. Uh, Best Art Direction and Best Independent Game being uh, Inside. Games for Impact, That Dragon Cancer. Best Mobile slash Handheld Game and Best Family Game, Pokemon Go, like we mentioned before. Best VR Game, Res Infinite, which... No idea, really, so I can't really comment on that. That may be a category that they could cut for a few years. Yeah. VR's not ready yet. And somewhere you can hear Jim twitching. He'll live. Best action game and best music uh, slash sound design for Doom. Best action adventure game, Dishonored 2, which, not sure if I really agree with that, with how crappy it's running so far. Yeah, how new it is and how poor... A actually it had okay okay here's something that we should uh, bring up real quick should performance issues be overlooked for how a game is when it comes to awards like this should the fact that Street Fighter Five launched in a extremely bare bones state and had to be patched several times to add content into it matter for best fighting game yes. Performance matters. <laughs> I don't well, think they should overlook could, it. Yeah, at least we could agree with that. I mean, I could see them, you know, again, this is why they need to explain things. I could see them giving, still giving a game an award despite the performance issues because for whatever reason, you know, I mean, like that Dragon Cancer, it had a lot of issues with the sections of the game that were not just experiencing the story. It had a yeah. lot of really crappy gameplay. But... That game is so powerful in its narrative and so visceral that absolutely I can see giving that game an award despite the problems that it has. But I think the problems need to be considered. Yeah, I completely agree. But this also comes back all the way around. So uh, games that just come out shortly before the cutoff date would be at a severe disadvantage. Yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, a game that releases in February, see, uh, let's pick one almost at random, Street Fighter. I think that released in February or very early in the year. Yeah, it was like February or March. Uh, it would have a distinct advantage over fighting games that released later. Because it just had more time to, you know, 
become a playable game. Right. Uh, it released February 16th, so I was right. But, I mean, I still think that's fair. I think performance is hugely important because how well a game performs affects how well it plays and how well the players enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, I think it would be irresponsible to overlook performance. Yeah, but they allowed the Chicago bot in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, somebody was very proud of the design of that costume. I'm very proud of the design of that costume. And I don't don't think it was just the fact that the Chicago bot was there. It's just the segments around it, you know. Uh, uh, The almost infomercial level acting. (laughs) Yeah. That's that, that's it. what that's what uh, really uh, sold it as the cringiest moment for me. But I, I think we're done here. Ten out of ten. Would watch again. Shikai Robot. Best performer, twenty sixteen. Well, at least beats most of the Triple A's games in a performance. Shikai Robot, make America smooth again. Velvety smooth. <laughs> okay, so are we done talking about the yeah. game awards? Yeah, All right, we're done here. Then it's time to slide on over to another bathroom break. <laughs> After which, we'll be back to talk about Community Corner. Until uh, then, to enjoy, another floor. <laughs> enjoy the sounds of the elevator. All right, welcome to the third floor, where it's time for us to talk about Community Corner this week. <laughs> uh, this week we had one last-minute audio submission, and then we'll be moving on tweets and stuff. But yep. our our audio letter this week comes from Kyle. Here's Kyle. Greetings, J. Arthur and Caffeine Rage. This is Kyle coming at you with a solution to an audio letter that I sent in a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, we touched on Valve and gambling and loot crate systems and how that's technically possibly a negative value proposition and the state of Washington is having issues, not to mention the CSGO betting sites, yada, yada, yada. But there is a solution that I think could potentially work and would make the loot crate system not gambling. See, I got the idea when I was uh, out with my lovely girlfriend, Meliora, at a uh, restaurant that shall go unnamed, but I'll use a fake name just in conversation, uh, Buffalo Wild Things. At the end of the meal, uh, we were given the opportunity to partake in a holiday special as far as pricing goes for um, gift cards. And the idea was for every gift card you bought, you essentially got a lottery ticket that after I think like four hours after you left, it would activate and you would get anywhere from between five and a hundred dollars on that uh, gift card in tiered amounts, five, 10, 15, 20, uh, 25, 50, 100. Now, obviously I don't know the odds on that, but here's the thing. That's not gambling because we were buying the gift card if we took that deal. And the lottery piece was actually just, you know, something that was tacked onto there, so it wasn't gambling. Now, what Valve could do is they could completely axe the paid-for-a-random-box scenario that they have going on right now with the loot crates. And what they could do is if you buy, say, a trading card or something, 
you would get a certain number of points that would eventually add up to a box. And by doing that, you're actually untying the loot crate system from any sort of uh, world currency. It's just kind of a reward system. And by doing that, you actually avert the whole um, value lost, upside down value, and negative value uh, monikers that have gone along with the Valve loot crate system. So to put it simply... It's not gambling in this case because what you're buying is, let's say, a Highlander axe for Team Fortress 2 or what have you. And then you get a little receipt that says, okay, two more of these and you can uh, get a loot crate. Because you're buying the axe and not the, uh, and not the lottery ticket for this, it's not gambling. And so if Valve did that, they would actually probably be okay And how do I know this? Well, because the FBI wasn't kicking down Buffalo Wild Thing's door while we were there. Because, you know, I'd like to think that they know what they're doing. Then again, they've partnered with EA to raise awareness about Titanfall 2 on all of their drink napkins, so maybe they don't. I'm not sure. Anyways, this has been uh, Kyle, and I'm not really sure where I was going with this, but hey, gambling and a solution. Hooray! All right, y'all have a good night. Thank you, Kyle, for your last-minute addition to the show this week. Um, I don't really have a ton to add. I mean, Rage, you said you had a... It's, a, it's a an interesting idea. Instead of having it be a pure lottery buying in and technically not gambling by Valve's terms of things where you're always getting something, instead of having it being a value added, is an interesting idea. Uh, another uh, way I've seen it done, or... Uh, at least somewhat modified from the Overwatch model is that, okay, your crates also give you a currency that you could uh, use to buy whatever you want. Well, in their selection, I should say, because I don't think everything in those crates has a currency value to it, but it's the same general idea. Yeah. Uh, Instead of having it where you're buying the crates directly, well, uh, you're still buying the crates directly in Overwatch. But with uh, kind of merging the two ideas, how about having it where the uh, crates could drop, but there's uh, also that currency that you could use? Uh, you know, some sort of melding of the ideas here. There, there has to be a middle ground that is still profitable, which that's the main thing here is uh, I don't think a lot of companies are going to break away from the crate model until they absolutely have to, assuming if they have to. Just because it is a widely profitable market because, you know, you put something very cool, very rare, you're going to sell a lot of crates because people want that. Right. I mean, how yeah. Rocket League started. Yeah. Yeah, the cancer is spread that far. Okay, cancer is probably a bad choice of words considering what we just finished talking about, but still. Fair play, but I mean, we all know what you mean. At least I hope we do. <laughs> it's like early access spreading to everywhere and to the point that we're getting early access AAA games see uh, well Street Fighter 5 <laughs> yeah early triple access games yeah uh, pay three times to be able to play the game yep okay well I mean I, like uh, I said you don't, I don't have anything to add I really don't have anything to add to it I mean like I like Kyle's idea. I think that's really good, and I hadn't thought about that before. And I also like your little addition to it, but I don't really have anything else to add to that conversation. Like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, being very helpful this week. 
You're just setting up for their fantasizing of the uh, Chicago robot. Yeah, that and wondering how long until I have to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into the question of the week then. Sure. All right, the question of the week this week was one of my general questions that I had saved up. What is your favorite original song in a game soundtrack? Ooh, I missed I missed that question this week. Good one, huh? Yeah, uh, and that and that uh, knocking out things like saying you know, a random song from like Fallout Four, you know, for the Fallout uh, soundtracks because those are not original songs for those games. Yeah. Hmm. I know. Oh, uh, you you want to chip in? Yeah, I know. I know what mine is right off the bat. Um, the song, the sort of. I guess intro or title song mm-hmm. for Oblivion. Ah. That kind of really big sweeping orchestral. Yeah, that's a good one. Song, um, just because it sets the tone for like, okay, this is going to be a grand adventure, um, and I can't wait to embark on it. Yeah, see, I have a few that I could uh, think of offhand, like the uh, well, uh, it's a console game that's going to probably going to surprise you. Uh, the starting music for Final Fantasy Nine. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you know exactly the one I'm thinking about now, huh? Mm-hmm. You're probably hearing it in your head if you've played that game a few times. <laughs> yeah, I've played through Final Fantasy Nine a bit. Not my favorite Final Fantasy fantasy game, but it is like in my top five. So, yeah. Well, I've only uh, played. Um, well, I've played five Final Fantasies uh, uh, far enough that I could say that. Yeah, I could uh, rank them. I played a bit of Final Fantasy XII, but never got too far into it. I never got over that hump where the game starts to get good. Right. I do own it, though, so I need to try it again at some point. But I would say Final Fantasy IX is my favorite out of the group. And that, yeah. yes, that, that includes me playing Final Fantasy VII first. Final Fantasy VII is not my favorite Final Fantasy either. My favorite Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy VIII. I didn't care for Final Fantasy VIII just because of the combat system. Yeah, see, I really liked the combat system. Yeah, and that and the story kind of left me behind at some point. I think Final Fantasy VII is my third favorite Final Fantasy. It's eight, and then ten, and then seven, probably. Oh, if I had to rank below Don, that's, that actually gets difficult for me. I didn't really care for eight. The The story just left me behind, so that's going to be ranking low. Final Fantasy X, uh, the voice acting... Uh, Knocks it down a few pegs for me. So I would probably go Don 7. Probably 10. Then it's a, a toss-up between 8 and 10-2. <laughs> yeah. Because 10-2, it, it's that weird uh, Charlie's Angels. You'd probably love it. if I do love it. it. I do I, love 10-2. I do you would love it just because it is so The dress, the dress fear. No, no, it's not even that. It's, it's and so like cheesy. The, it is. I love Tintu. Tintu is. Let's see. For me, it's uh, well. Tintu was also the re- revival of the job system. Yeah, eight. Eight's number one. Then ten. Then seven. Then ten two. Then nine. Ooh. That's my top five. And I actually like Final Fantasy thirteen. Um, I haven't played Final Fantasy thirteen. Uh, the last one I played uh, significantly was ten two. 13 is, honestly, it's really bad in the beginning. But if you suffer through 
the first... So it's Final Fantasy Twelve Syndrome. Yeah. If you suffer through the first sort of third of the game, it becomes an entirely different game. But I don't blame anyone who can't make it through that. It's pretty bad at the beginning. The first third of a Final Fantasy game. That's a hell of a hump. It's like 20 hours. It's its a brutal 20 hours. Ugh. And then the game opens up and becomes something different. But I mean, you know, like I said, I don't blame anyone who can't get past that. And initial. also Final Fantasy 13 is uh, more of a trilogy than anything else. Yep, there was Final Fantasy 13, 13 2, and then 13 Lightning's Return, which was 13 3. I've played all of the mainline Final Fantasy games except 12. Mm-hmm. And fourteen, I guess the the second Final Fantasy MMO. Yeah, well, it, and that's uh, including the original <laughs> Japanese ones. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the Final Fantasy series. Yeah, I really should try uh, Final Fantasy thirteen at some point. I, I need to dig out Final Fantasy twelve, or just download the ISOs and try those. Because who? Uh, th- that's also. It seems like the modern Final Fantasies. Granted, I have. Read really nothing about Final Fantasy fifteen. Fifteen's getting good reviews pretty much across the board. Even uh, does it, like does it also have the hump though that you have to get over? Um, no, not that uh, I can tell from the reviews and the early content I've watched. So uh, it breaks the cycle where a lot of the modern Final Fantasies have this uh, big hump that you have to get over before you know it starts to get good. Yeah, no, that goes that goes by really fast, um, unless you choose to stick to the starting area to do as much as you can kind of that whole oh if i leave i can't come back thing but that doesn't apply to final final fantasy 15 you can come back so ah yeah well i'll, I'll toss out a couple of uh, other ones i uh, thought off offhand uh with this uh jonathan colton uh for portal and portal 2 his songs there yeah which those do count as original songs those are those are cute yeah which you haven't heard the uh, one for for Portal Two yet, I don't. think. No, I, ha- I haven't. Yes, I, I think I have. I think I've heard it separately. Uh, it gets a, it's a lot better once uh, you have it in context, right? Uh, uh, I, and also, I would say uh, the uh, ending song for uh, uh, Plants vs Zombies. I've never actually heard that. Uh, I'm gonna have to link you that then. Probably some other ones for me right off the top. Just about everything from The Legend of Zelda um, around the Ocarina of Time forward is really good. Um, I mean, not everything, but a lot of it is really, really catchy. Like, you know, if you handed me an N64 controller today, I could still whip out the Ocarina and play a bunch of those songs just because I remember them and they're really, really good. Like the Song of Storms. I really, really like the Song of Storms. There's an excellent dubstep remix of Song of Storms as well. It's great. If I wanted to be very uh, industrious, I would uh, build a playlist out of all the songs that are being mentioned, but no. Yeah, that's too much work. But if someone in the community wants to do that and give it to us. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you need to check this out at some point. I'm not sure right now, but it's a very catchy song. Okay. Uh, But uh, more responses since you know that is what this is actually about <laughs> yeah we should get back to that we i do have to go to bed eventually yeah same here uh let's see billion lights the final fantasy uh seven victory sound clip after all those years i i still whistle it when i've achieved something <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. 
do do da 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 let's see groove single song assassin's creed 4 main theme simply just awesome uh best sound uh, best playlist is tropico 5 i'm not sure if that counts but i haven't listened to tropico 5's uh, playlist yeah i haven't either i started going through the tutorial the tutorial <laughs> for it but i haven't spent enough time with it yet so and we have a new person, Super Saiyan Lion. <laughs> awesome. Which I'm pretty sure this took about five or six episodes for him to type out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> rules of nature from, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but we appreciate you. Please come back. <laughs> uh, rules of nature from, uh, Metal Gear Rising. The whole soundtrack was great, but the placement of that song was amazing. Which I really can't comment on that one. I'm, uh, the Metal Gear uh, series is just so daunting to me that I never tried it. I've never played Metal Gear Rising. And then, Chemist, I find the question very difficult to answer. Uh, as uh, good uh, original soundtrack is more than just a single song. It has to be treated as a whole. But then I remember Undertale's uh, Heartache and how it just broke me at one point uh, where I sat in tears, refusing to play for a long time. <laughs> Undertale's got some really good music. Uh, that's been a game that I've uh, been actively avoiding just to play it at some point. But I'm I'm a little worried that at this point, you know, I've heard so much about it that, you know, going into it, I'm still going to have that expectation. Right. Then uh, on to the actual tweets. Uh, the B team has started linking food again. <laughs> yeah, oh, did I saw you that. see that? No, yeah, I yeah. saw that this week. Oh. Uh, Trying to just make me hungry, I guess. Let's see, uh, then Jim's uh, video about uh, scam games and how they uh, sell uh, their games very cheaply or just give away keys to make money off the Steam Marketplace, which I hadn't really considered, but it makes a good point. Yeah. Uh, Chemist uh, uh, was asking why there was a weird Podbean admin link uh, in the description, which I've uh, mentioned. It's uh, just the way Podbean uh, uh, did a URL, and I did the show notes on Podbean first and then copied everything over to the main RSS feed and just fixed the formatting so I didn't have to type everything twice. And that meant I grabbed that weird URL as well. Right. And then Ghost Shark, uh, just before we started recording, sent you something that I'll add here. Uh, he wanted to tell me that he semi-agrees with me on the whole Overwatch thing from last week where Overwatch, it, if I recall correctly, it wasn't... He thought it was going to be just as good if it wasn't a Blizzard game, and I disagreed with him just because Blizzard was able to spend more money and market it better. Um, it was uh, made awesome from uh, being uh, Blizzard's, up to Blizzard's high standards, but I'd found it and loved it even if it wasn't made by them. Well, that's the thing, is that marketing is a weird thing, because you know, look at Battleborn. Yep. It didn't really get marketed that well at all. Nope. So, it did not. It, so you really can't say that you'd find it nonetheless. Because there's a lot of great indie games out there that just don't uh, get grabbed like that. And just don't get the uh, marketing. Especially with you know, just how many games are on Steam these days. And just how many get added on a daily basis. or well, I guess I should say a weekly basis because it's really just during the weekdays. Yeah, it's just a glut of uh, games. It used to be a game would stick on the front page for quite a while, but now, you know, it's on there for maybe a day. 
Yeah. Maybe. Depends on what day. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for that, Ghost Shark. And uh, that wraps up the tweets. And if you wish to send us tweets, you can find us over at BGL Podcast on Twitter. Or send emails to us at bglpodcast at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be audio. We do read text letters and stumble through them. <laughs> yes, we will read. We promise. Okay, well, let's move on to the next section of our show. This week, a uh, special kind of announcement and overview of the upcoming VGL Awards. Um, so, yeah, since we're, we've made it a year, and especially, I guess, since, you know, our year anniversary is at uh, the end of a year we are going to do our own little award show uh we came up with some some categories which we will read out and explain here in a minute yes and, we've captured uh, the shikadra bot <laughs> yeah baby get a 3d print out of him gotta be able to buy him somewhere he's uh tied up in a crate right now and if you <laughs> uh, and you can buy a key for 2.99 and there's a chance that you may unlock him <laughs> i will spend thousands of dollars to get the shikadra bot but anyway, so yeah, we're going to do our own award show. Uh, we came up with 10 categories, which we'll read out and explain. And the way that this is going to work for us is that each of us ha- are going to have our own, basically, winners. We're not going to do, like, nominees or anything like that. Just each of us are going to have um, our picks, which we will read out and discuss and explain why. But we're going to involve the community. Uh, Rage, you said you were going to create a Google... Yeah, I'll create a Google form, so it'll be you'll have the ability to type in your choices for each of these. And we'll, depending on the number of uh, nominees, we may have to pick and choose or we'll just read off the list. Yeah, if we only get a few submissions, we'll probably just read everybody's. But if we get a decent number, you know, 20, 30, more, hopefully more, um, then we'll kind of try and compile the most popular suggestions if there's any overlap. Yeah, I'll tweet it out uh uh, a couple times uh, the form and also I'll be in the show notes for the next couple weeks. And then Kyle and Kimis, you guys each get to submit your own nominations, which basically we'll just read off. We might talk about them a little bit. Or, or we may just wanna... kidnap them and uh, have them on the show. We might. We'll have to talk to you guys because we're not really going to be able to be flexible since this is going to be recorded the week before Christmas. Um, is it? That's right, right? This is going to be for the yeah, show that releases yeah, on the 23rd. Yeah. Yeah, this will be the 20th recording at, to go out on the 23rd, which also happens to be our 52nd record or 52nd episode, not our 52nd recording because some freaking content and stuff. Yeah. So, um, we won't really have any flexibility in that. Oh, there's my kid. Well, I gotta go. No flexibility. You gotta go. Yep. With Katie sick. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Welcome Just back. a nightmare. All right, so where were we? Uh, we were talking about the VGL Awards. Right, right, right. I think the last thing that I said was that we don't really have any flexibility just because of the recording date, but... Yeah. If we could get Kyle and or Kimis on, that would be great. If not, just submit us um, your picks. Yeah, which, uh, let's get into the categories. Right, so our fa- first category is the best release of 2016. So best released game of 2016. Yeah, and uh, are we going to be including uh, 
games have improved. That's up to you guys, I think. Yeah, you can decide. I mean, you know, we'll allow, like, for example, The Division being an example we we used earlier this episode. Even though when it's released, it wasn't super great. That game has improved a lot. And if you feel like it's improved enough to be the best released game of this year, by all means. this is These are very, very personal. Yeah. Not uh, objective awards. Um, our second category is the worst release, worst release game of 2016. Yeah, I think we know where this one's going. Probably, for us at least. <laughs> um, our next category is favorite game played in 2016. So this And can this be- does not have to be a game released in 2016. This is just something that you had to play in 2016. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah pretty self-explanatory. Um, least favorite game. Played in 2016. Again, doesn't have to have been released in 2016. You just hated it the most. Yep. Um, Our next category is our best non-gaming item for the year. Uh, This can be a physical object like, I don't know, a computer component or a car that was released this year or really whatever. Um, It also can be an event. Um, Yep. Yep. and I don't really know how to give an example for that. I don't know what the best event <laughs> was of the year. Um, uh, congratulations, you got laid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did that a few times this year. <laughs> um, then we have the inverse of that, the worst non-gaming item that happened or came out this year. Um, probably know where this one is going to. Yeah, pretty much, at least for us. Because I can see the list. Yes, that is very true. Um, then we have our best gaming moment of 2016. Again, it doesn't have to have been a game that came out in 2016. If you Uh experienced that moment in this game, it can also be something related to gaming. That's not exactly in a game. Um, I don't really know how to give an example without giving away my response, but Uh, same here. Yeah, but it doesn't just have to be something that happened in a game. It can be something that happened or that you experienced because of a game. So, just best gaming moment of 2016. Then we have the inverse of that again. Worst gaming moment of 2016. Same sort of thing. Doesn't necessarily have to be something in a game, but it does need to be gaming related. Yep. Then we have a category specific to us. Um, best game club game of 2016. So Which, any of the- uh, Well, I'll go over the game club games uh, real quick. Sure. Bastion, To the Moon, Papers, Please... MechWarrior Online, Path of Exile, Alan Wake, Skyrim, and the current one is Crimson Skies. Yeah. Which will include that one. What'd you say? Let's include that one as well. I was going to say, I mean, we will have played it before, and it'll be in the next episode where we talk about it, so. Um, What would be that episode? It'll be the episode after that. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Remember, uh, Game Club's the last Tuesday of the month. Right. So we'll talk about the um, week after that, so... If you don't like any of them and you know, you've enjoyed Crimson Skies, well, there you go. <laughs> yep. And then our last um, our last category is biggest surprise of the year. And this could be anything. Literally the biggest thing that surprised you this year. Um, I can tell you that mine was a game, but, you know, I mean, it could have been an event that happened in your life or that happened in the world. Congratulations, also- you got laid. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be positive, but I think this category is probably going to lean more towards positive. Um, yeah, especially with some of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, it can be negative, but ultimately it is up to you 
and also to us. So, yep, the VGL Awards 2016, our first ever. Yeah, maybe we should awards. get uh, yeah, give Kyle a dollar so he'll uh, uh, do a little trophy on a post-it note so we can fax it to these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're applicable, of course. <laughs> we'll we'll send PDFs to the people that don't have fax lines listed. <laughs> no, if they don't have a fax line, they don't get it. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> Actually, in the business world, I think fax is still uh, pretty uh, common. No, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we don't have a fax line at the clinic. The last job I worked at didn't have a fax line. And they were... uh, Actually, the last three jobs I worked at didn't have fax lines. Hmm. Okay. Maybe we could uh, get Kyle to just take a picture of it and we'll send send a JPEG. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send it to him on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> hey you won the vgl awards this year here you go here's your award and and to make it even lo- more uh uh crappy <laughs> uh uh best or uh, our game of the year or best release you know gets the you know the cleanest one then have just kyle uh write everything in pencil and just erase every single time <laughs> So, so by the time we get to biggest surprise, if we send it to someone, you, know, you can see just how tattered the uh, the post-it note is. It'll be a the- mess of uncolored <laughs> lines and erasure shavings. It's kind of fitting for us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that covers the categories. Remember, there will be a Google... Um, you know, there'll be a Google form that it should be in the show notes unless something happens, you know? Yep. And of course we will talk about this. How many, it, we just have one more week until that episode recording, right? Yep. Uh, so yeah, we we'll, have the uh, 13th and then the 20th is the VGL recording. And then uh, the 27th is the uh, Crimson Skies recording. Yep. We will talk about this again next week. Of course, one final incentive to get community members to send in things Uh-oh. is that, be sure, and I guess Rage put in a form for this uh, that has either your Steam user ID or an email address connected to your Steam account so that I can send you a free game. I still have, I believe, 13 games left over from the last Steam sale, and I, of course, will be purchasing more games to give away on this Steam sale. And so to give everybody a heads up on the game giveaways, anybody who submits and gives me their Steam username or an email address where I can send them a, a game to, a game key to you, uh, you will get a free game. All right, so uh, I'll have to make note to do that. And this uh, will, the uh, recording will end just shortly before the winter sale as well. Yep. So let me just make note to do that. <laughs> because you kind of sprung that one on me. That's true, I did. I have faith in you, though. We'll fix it in post. Now we're doing it live. <laughs> you know, one week I'm tempted to post a completely unedited version of the the podcast, aside from syncing the two tracks, just no, so I people can it, appreciate I, me. I think at some point we have to do a live recording session. Yeah, we definitely do. Granted, it would be at yeah, like midnight uh, Eastern time. And it's not like uh, one of us is a Twitch streamer or anything. Nah. I'd do it, though. I'd do it. All right. Well, I think that brings us up to uh, 
Well, shilling our stuff that we didn't. Well, no, we got the Steam Weekly deals, then shilling our stuff that we didn't get to do last week. <laughs> we do, but I would gladly skip the Steam Weekly deals. There weren't very many good deals. Yeah, I kind of uh, was scraping the bottom of the barrel myself. Yeah, I was. Do you too. want to skip them for time? Let's skip them for time. They sucked, anyways. Fuck them. <laughs> they really did. We had just listeners. We had a very brief conversation before this where we complained at how poor the steam sales are and, yeah, and we have like, talked about skipping if there was a bad week and who yeah and i mean like the good games that were on the list we've recommended before and we were going to recommend them again so fuck them all right well then that yeah, means so that... let me make sure to remove that so i don't add that to the show notes <laughs> yeah just go ahead and delete mine too and that means we're on to the portion of the podcast where i get to go first oh, i get to go first um well if you want to follow me on YouTube, you can look me up at Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. And content coming out on the channel, we have Divinity Original Sin, which I have already rendered the three episodes we recorded Saturday. Yeah, Rage, same here. When do you post yours so that I post them on the same day? Uh, Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah, you're, okay. yeah, you're putting them up like two days early. It's like, okay. I think I did Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, it was must have been very early Tuesday then. Because it seemed like it was a, a way before Bond. I think that's what I did. Uh, but we, or I may be mistaken on that. Yeah. Well, then they'll, they'll I'll set them to release Wednesday and Saturday. Um, so I've got that. I've got the remainder of our um, Portal 2 content. Yeah, that's also the thing is that you had Portal 2 to work on. Yeah. But I've got all of those rendered as well. I, Sunday was a render day for me. So I've got all the all the videos ready. So those will be going up this week, obviously, if you're listening to this on Friday or really any day later than that. Most of those videos will have come out in the past. Go to my YouTube channel, Gaming Psychologist. Check them out. Um, I have not had time with everything going on to work on new reviews. I am very saddened and sorry by that fact, but things are starting to wind down. I've got a whole bunch of cl- clients working their way out of the clinic because, you know, they're students and stuff like that. So hopefully this week I will get some time before the in-laws get here to write and record a couple of of game reviews to post um don't know about sunday this week is not exactly looking bad but i've got a couple extra things going on just going into the holidays getting ready for them so i'll try and have a review this saturday or not this saturday this sunday but uh, it might not happen this week but i do have other regular content now so i'm not too worried about getting the reviews out because that was kind of the only regular content i was doing for a month or two Mm -hmm. um but I do really enjoy doing reviews. They're one of my favorite things to write and record. So I want to get back to doing them ASAP. Uh, that's it for the YouTube channel this week. If you want to follow me on Twitter where I tweet about all kinds of things. Uh, last few days have been some Transport Fever tweets. Uh, there'll probably be some more of those. Um, but I tweet about all kinds of stuff. Politics, cars, weird people that come into the clinic. Other things in my life. You can follow me. At Twitter on or on at JMA four seven zero seven, you can see all of those weird wacky things that I tweet. There might be some stuff about the uh, the sh- the the Schlick Hydrobot. Oh God! Or the Schick the Schick Hydrobot. You're gonna cosplay as it, aren't you? Nah, it'd be too much work to make a costume. Forget on lady. Who said it was gonna be a good one? It would just it's just gonna be cardboard boxes and a little razor on top. Yeah, fair enough. 
Um, and then if you want to, be, want to watch me stream games, uh, going into the holiday season, things are going to be a little bit wacky, but I do stream games over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. Try to do it as regularly as possible, but sometimes life gets in the way. And uh, if you want to be my friend on Steam, I accept all random Steam friend requests and just hope and assume that y'all are awesome podcast listeners who just want to chat with uh, your favorite host. And my well, Steam... obviously, because I don't get added. <laughs> <laughs> my Steam username is jarthur4707 on Steam. And if you want us to let them know exactly what episode you're coming from, the password, making up for last week, is medication. <laughs> medication. And also, remember, um, we're picking up new listeners to the show. Obviously, we're having new Twitter users, so or Twitter followers who tweet at us. Uh, I always like it to make it known. I am a real psychologist, a real marriage and family therapist. Yeah, and you don't you just play one on the podcast. And I don't just play one on the podcast. So if you have some problems in your life that you need to talk about, you don't know where to turn, you can come talk to me. I don't, you know, I make a joke about charging Steam trading cards to talk to people on Steam, but that's just a joke. You don't have to actually pay me anything. Um, I will... Come, I will be a listening ear for you. I can help direct you to any services in your local area as long as you're willing to share where you live and uh, help point you in the right direction. And get a pizza. <laughs> From Frank's or not Frank's. <laughs> but, you know, I'm here for you guys. I love all of you and, and the little community that we built, and I like to take care of you guys. I have had people who've talked to me in the past, so you would not be the first. And I won't say anything more about your identity other than you will just become one of those people who's talked to me in the past. So, you're more than welcome to come talk to me. All right, Rach, what about you? What's going on for you this in on your channel this week? Oh, uh, well, I'm still pretty deep into Warhammer 40k Space Marine. Uh, it's starting to wrap up in the uh, last recording session I had. But I think I still have probably about three or four more weeks of it, to be perfectly honest, unless it wraps up very quickly. And I have to say, having a new mouse where I could actually aim uh, has definitely helped my gameplay. <laughs> right. It generally will do that. Uh, let's see. On RimWorld, uh, well, last week I had a reset on the uh, series again. And if you were to join that, uh, I do have a name list that I pull uh, colonist names from. So if you was to join the, well, uh, let's be perfectly honest. There's a high chance of death, <laughs> but then again, it's also rim world. So that's to be expected. Uh, but send me a uh, tweet on Twitter, uh, GameOCR, and I'll add you to my name list. If you was to join the madness, that is the town of hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> hoo-ha. Yeah. Hoo-ha. <laughs> yeah. That's the current uh, uh, town name. And, Every time you see the name uh, change, that means it's a new series. Why did Possibly- you name? Why did you name the town after Lady Bits? Oh <laughs> uh, well, the last one was uh, Daughter Fort. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not joking there. That was actually the name of it. All right. And besides, it's you know trying to get some clickbait. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. I'll allow it. And it's fun to say. So, uh, can you uh, at least give me that much? No, fair play. I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's been some interesting things that's gone on in uh, this playthrough so far. More so than usual, I might add. <laughs> but RimWorld's always something that, yeah, you know, something interesting 
usually happens uh, in an episode. Sometimes there's been boring episodes that, you know, it's just, you know, killing time and me uh, trying to be somewhat entertaining, which, you know, failing to do so usually. <laughs> and let's see, the uh, third series is, of course, the video original sin that we're putting out so much for fun. probably the next uh, seven, eight months. <laughs> Years. Uh, yeah, that's that's a game that I mentioned that we're at the hour mark and you just uh, are just in disbelief that it's been that long. That's happened every single time, even when doing, and I'm doing air quotes, boring stuff, like just running around town and crafting and things. That world is so deep and enjoyable, and all of the mechanics are fantastic. It's like, oh, I, an hour's passed. I guess we should wrap this up and do another episode. What, really? <laughs> uh, but oh, once we got into the combat again, uh, after adding a few spells... It's been quite amazing just how in-depth things have gotten. Especially once we got our third and fourth members of the team. Yeah. Uh, granted, combat does slow down a lot with uh, two players uh, trolling uh, different characters and uh, you know, discussing what to do. But it's been very enjoyable. And I think that, uh, games like that has ruined things like Skyrim for me. <laughs> you can see where I'm coming from with Skyrim now, right? A little bit more, yeah. I mean, I still love Skyrim, and I have added a bunch and, of wacky and, mods to it, and I'm playing. And I realize, some, and I realize that they're two very different beasts. But at the same time, yeah, I've gotten more used to the more in depth. You know, uh, well, if I uh, put down a uh, pool of water, I could zap it to uh, stun a bunch of enemies, or I could just freeze it to make them all fall over. Yeah, or just put down a giant oil slick to slow them down and uh, then summon the spider to block the doorway. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many interesting com uh, combinations that you could do. And that's just, yeah, we're what, level three? Level four? Yeah. Uh, Medora hit level four at the end of our last recording session. That's right. And she's a little bit ahead of us for some reason. I have no idea why. Well, she uh, started at level three and we found her when we were well, at level well, so, two. Well, so did Bear Daughter. Yeah, but we found her a little bit later, didn't we? Hadn't we completed a few quests with Yeah, Medora? maybe. I don't know, yeah. it's whatever. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't that much, though, so. No, we're all in the same range. Yeah, and plus the voice acting for both Medora and Bear Daughter are just amazing. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and, of course, the Sunday Sampler, which you heard what I uh, did uh, this week. Uh, last week was... Oh, shoot. Uh, now I'm blanking on what I did last week. It's one of those things that it becomes kind of a blur. I've done 40-some Sunday samplers now. Yeah. And I'm, at, and I'm actually going to d go double-check to see what that was, just to mention it real quick. It was... Uh, no, uh, I did the double episode uh, for the dwarves, so yeah. Uh, I guess it just... Uh, uh, I had that double episode, so it d didn't really matter. So, yeah, that was my last uh, Sunday sampler. Unless there's something wrong with my playlist that I'm going to have to go fix, which is very possible. <laughs> yeah, the Sunday sampler always has interesting things. Either me complaining about a game or really loving a game. One of the two. I try to keep the mediocre stuff off of it. Because, boy, do I get a lot of mediocre stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you can find that all over on Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or if you wish to see me tweet about random stuff and uh, 
uh, just commenting. Of, yeah, I had a, uh, no, I'm just double checking my Sunday sampler uh, playlist now because it's a little weird. I may have missed something. Uh, you can find all that, well, all my tw- tweets over on GamingOCR where I tweet about random things. I made a comment about Laura Croft Go appearing on Steam just randomly. <laughs> there was a little bit of disbelief there. Because that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it looks like that it has some porting issues as well, which, oh, there's a big surprise for a mobile game. But yeah, mobile games tend to have a tax on them and just uh, just issues with the game design. So it's not really to be unexpected. And I think that's about it. Alrighty. Missing anything. I don't think so. I don't think so. A little bit ra- more rambly than usual, but... Mm. Uh, which means it's time to start wrapping things up. That is and, correct. Uh, are we st- going to start uh, migrating to Podbean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've uh, considered going all the way through our game awards on our... On okay. on uh, the uh, main feed and then do the, uh, the full transition. Yeah, because that'll be a, a year of podcasting. I okay. feel like that's kind of, I don't know, a neat little bow. Mm-hmm. You actually are doing a proper transition? I will. I'll, I'm going to post a little thing afterwards when it's done. It just says, hey. My know, God, you are sick. We went a whole year. It was wonderful. If you want to continue listening to us, our feed is now over at Podbean. And I'll have yeah, which means we're actually going to have to fix the Podbean because it only has about two-thirds of the episodes right now. Yeah, I gotta I gotta upload all that from the archives. And I'm also gonna have to try to figure out uh how to avoid Podbean from double posting when I edit something. Ugh. Yeah, it's learning a new uh piece of software. But anyway, um well, we're still gonna be uh internet archive a little bit, I think. Maybe Yep, yep, it'll be for, let's see, two, uh, two for, more weeks. Yeah, the cheeky little monkeys will have a couple more weeks. <laughs> But granted, there are ways to get the Podbean, I think. I haven't looked at the uh, URLs completely, but there are ways. Especially yeah. if uh, Jared wants to be nice about the uh, episode uh, file names. Hint, hint. <laughs> hint not taken. <laughs> because that requires effort. So we do uh, thank the Internet Archive for uh, supporting us for just under a year of podcasting. Indeed. And uh, we are going to be transitioning to Podbean before too long. So uh, keep an eye out for that URL. Yes, I do want to get that cleaned up before we start sharing that. Granted, it's not too hard to find us if you go looking. And once we get our December Patreon payout, I'm gonna, going to give them the November and December Patreon, which is about 45 bucks. Um, I mean, that I don't think that that would ever fully cover everything that we... Leached like, off of them? Yeah, but, I mean, that's what we have, and we're going to give them everything that we have and start the new year off blank and fresh and ready to go. Just like you've uh, had a night with a chick Hadrobot. Aw, yeah. <laughs> give me that chick Hadrobot, baby. Mm. Oh, my. I'm coming for you, if you know what I mean. I right, think I'm I done. need an adult. <laughs> Uh, but if you wish to uh, 
well, let Jared know just how much you've traumatized them. You could email us over at vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, complaints, and uh, fan art of the Chicago Bar and Jared. <laughs> Please do, Kyle. Or you, or you could tweet us at VGL Podcast on Twitter. And we, of course, have the uh, Steam uh, Curator and Group uh steamcommunity.com slash group slash VGL podcast and the curator is also uh, at that URL but that is a separate follow and we need to work on actually updating that at some point <laughs> because yeah that's fallen way behind indeed our Patreon if you wish to well uh, toss uh, the internet archive a little bit of money but also support us in the new year patreon.com slash VGL podcasts and our uh, website, at least for the time being, is videogamelogicpodcast.blogspot.com. Uh, and you can find us also on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever Jared sticks, uh, well, us and the Chicago bot. <laughs> our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McElroy, and you can find his work at incomputech.com. And as the Chicago bot... <laughs> I'm sorry, but that transition just doesn't work as well. But as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, boo bye now. Uh, please help. <laughs> boo bye. I need an adult. Bye.